Once upon a time, there was a young girl. She was a happy girl, but she had to move to a strange new town and go to a brand new school, make new friends, and then in the attic of her family's creepy new house, she found a ghost! And that ghost... I curse you, Molly McGee! Wherever you go, whatever you do, I'll be there. <gasps> Fantastic performance. Huh? Is now her new best friend, Ghost Hog! <laughs> I know, because that girl is me. I'm Molly, and this is Scratch, my new BFF. We're gonna make music videos together, become internet famous. Why would we do that? You know, that's great stuff. Be gone, human. Huh? Did you just make me fly? I didn't curse Molly McGee. But there are strong she cursed me. Navigating a new town can be a bit sticky. I think he really likes you guys. But with a ghost like Scratch by your side, it takes the pressure off a little bit. I, uh, like to dance. Yeah. <laughs> You've got my back. Is there a circus in town? Because there's a clown on the mound. How dare you make fun of Molly McGee? That's my job. And I've got his. Scratch! You can't eat those berries, they're poisonous! You know I'm already dead, right? Oh, right. We're friends super naturally. Bye! She bothers me. The Ghost and Molly McGee! Watch The Ghost and Molly McGee on Disney Channel. Welcome to the podcast without a cool acronym. The podcast where we review Disney television animation shows. I'm your host, Chandler Darochet. Joining me on the podcast today via Zoom, we have Jonathan Edward. How's it going? The great Luke Ski. Aqua Teen Hunger Force, assemble! And joining us for the very first time, you know him from the Phineas and Ferb Wiki Twitter, as well as the Loud House Wiki Twitter and the, the wikis themselves. Um, he's run both of them. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Mead. Hello. Um, thank you. I, I thank you very much for the introduction. I just want to clarify, I do run the Phineas and Ferb Wiki uh, Twitter, but uh, I think the Loud House Wiki Twitter has been act- inactive for quite a while now. I, I run my own side Twitter, which is sort of a tribute slash news slash called loud ramblings but loud ramblings, I, yes okay but i do enjoy talking about various cartoons on my own personal twitter and the ones that i manage for my own entertainment and for the wiki but there's a i have my hands in a lot of things a lot so. of different things you, you know him from a lot of different things <laughs> and um speaking of um speaking of cartoons we're here to talk about a brand new one that just came out I've been waiting a long time for this one. We're here to talk about The Ghosts and Molly McGee, which just premiered this week. And um, for a while, I was uh, really wondering how I was going to be able to actually cover this show because I really wanted to cover the whole thing from start to finish as it was going. But um, a couple of times that I've covered a new show that's come out, I've done like the first episode and then haven't really gotten to, to come back to it in a timely manner. Um, looking at you, Bad Batch. So I was kind of wondering what I would end up having, you know, what I would end up being able to do. And then they announced that um, sort of like what they've been doing for the Owl House, they'd drop five episodes at a time on Disney Plus. I'm like, okay, that's perfect. I'll do that. Um, 
And so obviously this is a brand new show, but um, uh, I think real quick, it would just be good to go over kind of the, um, the, the, some of the, some of the quick behind the scenes info on the show. So obviously it's animated by Mercury Filmworks, which does fantastic work. They did season one of The Force of Evil. They did um, Hilda, the Mickey Mouse shorts that are fantastic, Tangled the series, whole, whole bunch of really cool stuff. See, and of course, the other thing that's worth noting is that the music is by a gentleman by the name of Rob Cantor. And if you don't remember that name... You're walking in the woods. There's no one around and your phone is dead. Out of the corner of your eye, you spot him. Shia LaBeouf. Uh, you probably weren't on the internet like six years ago when he did that. It was a little over six years ago that the original one came out, but then the, the, the actual like music video that they did for it, um, the, the, the Shia LaBeouf Live song. Strangling superstar Shia LaBeouf. Fighting for your life with Shia LaBeouf. Wrestling at night. You limp into the dark woods, blood oozing from your stump leg. You've beaten Shia LaBeouf. Which was, when they announced that he was going to be doing the music, I'm like, oh, so you know this is going to be good, because he's incredibly talented, and that was still just one of the greatest things that's ever come out of the internet. Oh, for sure. Wait, he isn't dead. Shy surprise, there's a gun to your head. And death in his eyes, but you can do jujitsu. Body slam, superstar, shy love. Okay, 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 we get it. Enough. All right, yes, we get it. Thank you. All right, so we didn't really do any, like, like we well, obviously I had to watch this whole show um, before recording, but um, before we start talking about the show, the show itself, um, what were you guys kind of thinking going into it um, before you started watching? Okay, I'll go first. Um, uh, well, I learned about the show basically when uh, Disney TVA announced it. And um, it, back then it was called The Curse of Molly McGee, but they explained why they changed the, the title. But uh, I'll get go into that later, perhaps. But, um, but um, and it sounded very interesting. And um, as you mentioned, I'm a fan of, among other shows, The Loud House. And it was around that time that uh, one of the writers for that show, uh, Sammy Crowley, she, she won an Emmy for her work on that show. Uh, she announced that she was leaving Nickelodeon to work on Disney. And she announced that she was going to be a writer on this show, which made me anticipate it even more. And then they announced that Ashley Birch and Dana Snyder are going to lead the cast. And then they had the New York Comic Con panel where they explained, oh, this is what the show is going to be about. And we're going to have an original song each episode. And here's some examples of what it's going to sound like. And I, I think as you, um, you said, a lot of other people have said, you know, it seems like in in spirit it seems like a spiritual successor to Phineas and Ferb which is one of my all-time favorite cartoons and how me and Chandler and John met so um so I was looking very forward uh you know I was looking forward to this because you know we haven't really had a light-hearted non-serialized cartoon from Disney in a while that obviously there's there's gonna be some bits like 
some of the episodes that we've seen so far play off of uh, each other, but it's, you know, it's sort of a non-serialized thing, but it's just very light and funny, and that's exactly what I was expecting going in, and um, so far my expectations have not been disappointed. It's very entertaining so far. It's kind of like yeah. Big Greens in that regard, where it, it definitely is good to watch it in order, but you don't have to, like you do with, like, the Owl House or Amphibia. I mean, even Amphibia, I think is, you know, it, it can be episodic, but it's still, you know, especially as you get later on in the show, you really need to watch it in order. Yeah, I, uh, when I was watching it, I also had that same thought once it started getting going, like, oh, this is the new Phineas and Ferb. Uh, also because I'm guessing that this is more of a board-driven show than a script-driven show. Uh, just, uh, you know, uh, I could be wrong oh, about absolutely. that, but it, it, really, it, it really feels that way to me. Yeah, and um, I've been uh, uh, as as always uh, uh, applying for storyboarding jobs whenever I find them. So uh, I I did send out applications for this show for storyboarder positions. But then recently I noticed there was specifically a call for a storyboarder position to work just on the song sequences of this show, which kind of made me go like, oh really? They didn't need they need someone just for songs. And then when I saw these episodes, I was like. Oh, okay. Thoroughly get it now. You know, excellent Rob Cantor comedy music. You know, if they're if they're if if they want someone who specializes in, you know, uh, you know, creatively and comedically visualizing these comedy songs within the plot with these characters, and have someone be like, okay, that's just that's your wheelhouse. That's just a thing you do. I I first of all thoroughly get that, and second of all want that job. <laughs> <laughs> Doubt I'll get it, but you know, I, I put in my application, so we'll see what happens in the future. But I heard those, those comedy music and does good work. <laughs> yeah, I know they did this, they did a similar thing with Milo Murphy's Law, where they would pick like a specific artist to do the song sequences when they had them. Um, but yeah, my experience with Ghost of Milo McGee, like like Ryan, I found out about it uh, as soon as it was announced. Um, I think having seen the first episode now. I, I like the title, The Curse of Molly McGee, a lot better. Um, it's more it's more ironic than what we ended up with. But, you know, there was that definitely that expectation of this is going to be, you know, a musical number every episode. It's going to be kind of fun and light. Um, and the animation by Mercury Filmworks, I was obviously looking forward to that. And in that sense, I think it it definitely lived up to the hype. I think the show has a very, you know, it's it's very wholesome in that same way that uh, Phineas and Ferb was, but with a touch more um, regular emotional resonance, I feel like. I also um, feel like... Um, especially unlike, early on. I also feel like, unlike Phineas and Ferb, uh, where, you know, you kind of got, got to get through a good chunk of season one before the show really finds out, you know, what really sticks and works well and what doesn't. And this show, from the get-go, just knows exactly what it is has its voice and it's great. Like you can tell they're firing on all cylinders for this. And I think I think it was kind of similar with um, uh, with Milo Murphy's Law where just from the beginning, they knew what the show was and how it worked and just just right out the gate, just nailed it. And I, I really, I really, really respect that. Absolutely. That. I remember um, this, maybe this might not 100% apply here. I remember uh, Matt Groening talking about uh, around the time Futurama came out, he did an interview where he said, when we started The Simpsons, uh, we had no idea what we were doing. 
but starting <laughs> Futurama, we knew exactly what we were doing. Like, you know, from the point of view of like everything from, you know, like this, you know, the secret alien alphabet and laying out things that would, you know, unfold later and plot lines and stuff. So yeah, it's like the, the, the creative, you know, teams overall there at, uh, at Disney television animation, you know, with, with all of these great shows, they've, they've, they figured out how to like take, you know, like, you know, the various part, the, the best aspects of all these various shows and try to figure out how to combine them, you know, uh, in, in ways that are successful. And, uh, and yeah, this, it's like, there's a Phineas and Ferb vibe. There's, you know, with the super supernatural stuff, that's definitely a, a gravity falls and, and star kind of vibe. It's like, there's, there's, it's such so much great stuff going on here. The other show and, people will compare it to is The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, and you can definitely see that. <laughs> yes, and one thing I wanted to quickly point out is, much like Phineas and Ferb, uh, this show was originally developed over 15 years ago. Yeah, took- I was reading that. That's crazy that it took this long, but it's it's one of those where it's like, you know, it, uh, I'm I'm kind of glad that it it did take that long because it, it, you can tell that they they have this whole show worked out. Uh, I agree. The creators have said they're they're proud that of the show they have now. And if the show had been sold 15 years ago, it would not be the same show. So right, it would I, be a completely different show. Case with all of these projects that are like in the incubator for this whole time, they end up much better because of the of the like advances of animation like if there weren't shows like Phineas and Ferb and Gravity Falls following in the footsteps of that sort of sort of Disney style that we have for their TV cartoons now it probably wouldn't have been the same thing and on that note um so the show was created by Bill Bill Mods and Bob Roth and they worked at Disney for years they worked on Darkwing Duck they pitched the show to Nickelodeon um, I'm reading this just off Wikipedia. Um, and, and they were working on, um, but I did know this uh, initially beforehand. They worked on uh, Lego Star Wars The Freemaker Adventures, um, in which they had uh, Grabala the Hutt was one of the main characters, or one of the recurring characters in that, played by Dana Snyder. And uh, we just watched on last week's episode of the podcast, um, which should be coming out actually t- at some point today as we're recording this. Um, I'm dropping them on Thursday instead of Tuesday. Um, um, that character was in the Star Wars Terrifying Tales, um, special. So that was kind of fun to to see that, and then go into this show, um, because it's like, oh, hey, that I, I can't hear this character without hearing Scratch, as I mentioned in the last episode. Yeah, I think definitely from a perspective of like having the show planned out, like we were talking about, it does one of the things that I really appreciate in cartoons which is dropping the theme song from the first episode because it doesn't make sense to have the theme song be the first thing that you see when you're being introduced to a new story especially a story that is going to be a beginning to end like ghost of molly mcgee like sure it is you know episodic but this story has a very definitive beginning and according to the creators it will have a very definitive end um so to do that whole like introduction to scratch at the beginning and then we you know kind of pan up to the title card and then like move down to focus on Molly using this really interesting long shot. Um, and then- I love that long but shot. Like, like, and even not even having a title card, which appears to be something that most episodes are gonna have for that first episode. Um, just kind of little touches that really bring you into the world and make this feel like, all right, this is a story 
strap in for the ride and you know it's going to go a lot of different places but that that beginning really functions well to bring you into the world and it reminds me a lot of why the creators of DuckTales 2017 said they didn't start the first episode with theme song because thematically it wouldn't make sense because uh, on that show the they didn't use the very famous theme song until the start of the second episode because the first episode is introducing all these characters and how they got together and we actually see them together in the opening so from a storytelling standpoint it wouldn't make sense and it's the same here molly and scratch haven't met yet and scratch hasn't placed the curse on molly yet so it doesn't really make sense to start with the theme song because that rapport between the two characters hasn't been established yet it's in that first episode where it's established Established. and then and then from now on we can we know oh this is why they're this is why they're together and this is why uh she says these things she does in the theme song so from a thematic standpoint i can see exactly why they chose to forego the theme song in the first episode and i think that's a perfect segue for us to start talking about the first episode okay so of course the first episode is called the curse uh, we don't actually get a, uh, a title card for this one, like you said, because um, it's kind of just the introduction to everything. Um, the whole thing starts with um, with the ghost council uh, banishing this this one ghost to the the flow of failed phantoms because um, uh, it was Cedar it was Cedar Rapids, was it? Um, Cedar Rapids got a dog rescue, and as a result, Joy is on the rise in that town. You can't expect me to compete with puppies. That's exactly what we expect. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. I don't know if it was intentional, but that ghost was kind of designed like a puppy. So. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that was intentional. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think it was really smart to start the show off by introducing presumably what are going to be the stakes for the entire series, which is going to be Scratch slowly changing as a character because of Molly and that affecting his ultimate purpose, which is to bring misery to the town. And so immediately the very first thing we see in the show is a ghost failing their job and getting sucked into the void of failed souls or whatever it's called. Um, so for a show that is not particularly serialized, you know, it does a really good job of setting up, okay, what is what is the larger story stakes for our characters for the rest of the show? Um, and um, they call upon Scratch, and they're like, Scratch, you're rude, crude, disgusting, but you get the job done. Uh, okay, now we're done. Let's go hang out at the club. And by the way, Scratch, you're not invited. Bye. Yeah, Scratch is very good at his job, but he's also very unpopular, which the idea of friendship is a very strong theme in the show, as we'll probably get to later. But I think it's kind of interesting that even in the ghost world, we learn that just because you're successful in your occupation doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're you're you have social cachet. Uh, you can scare a lot of people, but if you're popular, it doesn't mean anything, unfortunately. Right. And uh, so, of course, Scratch gets sent back to his um, his house where he haunts. I'm not sure if that was originally his house at one point or uh, they haven't really gone into any of like who Scratch was before he was a ghost. I don't know if we'll ever get that or not. 
Um, that that could be interesting. That could also be something they never actually touch on. I we, we don't know at this point. My my uh, theory craft is that um, Scratch was never actually a person who lived on Earth. He was in fact made from scratch, as the expression goes, which is why he appears to have so little social comprehension of um, you know how things work on Earth, and it's like his his entire experiences come from being a ghost, maybe made by mistake, maybe made through some accident, but I don't think he actually was a human, but that's just a theory, um, a film theory. A film theory. Um, also, I kind of figured out just through, um, um, and this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but details shown in a later episode have le- have led me to conclude and also i just looked it up there is in fact a brighton michigan and it's near interstate 80 which is referenced later on so i've concluded that brighton is in michigan which which makes sense because there's a lot of corn and there's a lot of corn in that part of the country i didn't actually go to michigan when i was on my road trip but i did go to indiana At first i was like oh it could be in indiana or, or uh, maybe ohio but i was thinking maybe more indiana uh, but it no, it's it's it appears to be Michigan, which kind kind of makes sense. <laughs> yes. I, I think it's supposed to be like a case in Springfield, where it's like everywhere and nowhere at the same time. But it's it's definitely in the upper Midwest, because right? One of the creators grew up there. Uh, he, I forget which one it was, Bill or Bob. But he said something like, you know, I grew up in Rock Island, Illinois, and the school is based on the school I went to. And uh, our um, our producer, Britta, lived in Davenport, Iowa, which is ah. right across the river from Rock Island. And that's where Andrea Davenport got her last name. That makes sense. I did go to Iowa. Iowa was, well, there's a lot of corn. <laughs> that's where i grew up um in the i grew up in southern wisconsin and my parents were from the chicago area so i have uh don't think i've been to brighton michigan but i i know i've been to uh, davenport and rock island so yeah it's uh that all that all you know tracks as far as i'm concerned plus i remember at the beginning they showed um when when she was putting all the little thumbtacks on the map to show where they lived all the places they lived before um, when she says like, "Oh, now we live here," like they zoom in super close where it says Brighton, so that they don't actually see, you don't actually right. see where it is on the map. <laughs> but then they, but then later they do that episode where they're trying to you know track that one person's bus, and they like show like you know a decent shot of the states of the Midwest. So it's like, okay, wait, it's gotta wait. be somewhere over here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think they were coming out of Nebraska and they were trying to intercept the tour bus that was headed for Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, um, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Also, yeah. um, uh, on the on the subject of the school being based on a real school, do they have indoor swimming pools in middle schools in the Midwest? I have no idea. They, there was one in my high school. Um High school, just, that makes sense, but middle school, hmm, I don't know. In 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 my very specific case, the the school that was the high school that had an indoor swimming pool, like I think they built a new high school, and then the high school became the middle school. So ah, it might be there you it, go. It, it theoretically could be that situation where it's like, oh, that pool's been here for forty years or whatever. I mean, it makes sense to have it. In the, it makes sense to have that kind of setup in the Midwest because it gets cold there and. Yeah, and you would want to use that pool during the school year. It's going to be too cold out to use it. Um, 
I think the design of the school was actually based on Rock Island High School, but I just looked up Rock Island Middle School and on the city's official website, they state that they, in 1958, they added a swimming pool and, and I'm quoting here, and unusual for the era, an elevator. So going to um, going to of course the the title shot and zooming into um, Molly and her family they're just arriving in Brighton and you know everyone's talking about how they're excited to um, to move here specifically Molly but also um, Molly's younger brother who why does his oh Daryl Daryl I'm like oh, why is his name escaping me I'm like it's Daryl um, Daryl's excited for a clean slate and their parents are like yeah let's keep it that way no more just general chaos, which I'm sure we'll see more of as the series goes yeah. on. I want to learn about Daryl's history because from what he says in this episode and in other episodes, I think he's probably the one responsible for why they had to move all the time because apparently he is a troublemaker. So it will yeah. be very to see what conspires in the future. Well, based on what, what um, he and his dad get up to in a later episode, I could, I could see that. Yes. <laughs> um but so they pull um they pull up to the the house and they're like wait that's not the house this other house and then they they make a huge turn it's like oh there it is and they're like yeah this place is kind of a dump but of course molly being molly is like i love it um and like goes running in that's when scratch sees her is like wait what there's a family moving into my house because apparently he didn't know that his house was on the market all this time. Not not sure how he wouldn't have noticed like a, a, a for sale sign or whatever out there, but well, maybe well, it was a, maybe it was a case of um, like it had been for sale and like local people would come by and you know realtors would try to show it and he would scare them off. But then these people bought the house seemingly sight unseen, like over the internet, and then just showed up. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, that makes sense. I was gonna say it's probably because Scratch only live only stays in the attic, never went down. But I think that makes more sense because he definitely tries to scare the McGee's out of the house, which we'll get to later. But yes, Molly is such an unusual breed that skipping ahead a little you know the first time she actually gets to well it's not really skipping ahead because you know, happens, the, basically. the family is moving in but you know the first time she sees scratch she's not scared out of her which she's like oh i've never introduced myself to a ghost before what am i supposed to say ghost hug <laughs> <laughs> and scratch is like is like no i need you out bye <laughs> And she's like, did you just make me fly? Because <laughs> he makes her levitate and, and go back down and she immediately comes back up. She's not, you know, like you said, she's not scared out of her wits at all. Quite the opposite, actually. She's very excited. Um, and Scratch makes the, the, the brilliant decision that, of course, is the crux of the whole show to where he, he puts a curse on, on Molly where, okay, if you won't leave... Um, then I'll I'll always be there wherever you go, whatever you do, I'll be there haunting you, tormenting you, turning your every waking moment into a living nightmare. She's like, ooh, fantastic performance. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so now that we're best friends, wait, what do you mean best friends? Well, you're going everywhere I go and doing everything I do, right? That 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 sounds like a best friend. 
you know, he's of, of course completely unprepared for this because the one the one person that could even remotely be considered a friend to scratch before this presumably is Jeff, spelled with a G. Um, and he thinks of Jeff as an annoying coworker more so than an actual friend, as we come to find out. Um, so he has no idea how to actually react to this. He's trying to to scare her. Nothing's working. Um, and he goes to the ghost world and asks the ghost council for help. Um, and they're like, wow, you're, you know, and he's like, um, so asking for a friend, what would you do if a ghost accidentally cursed themselves? And they pull up the curse and then they're like, yeah, no, you're, you're stuck like this unless you can get her out of that house. Which, of course, leads to him trying to scare the rest of the family. And they, they scare much better, but Molly hears the commotion from, uh, from, uh, from downstairs. Is like, oh, I gotta fix this. And she's like, wait, guys, Scratch isn't scary. He's maybe a little hangry. And, of course, uh, the whole family warms up to him pretty quickly. And Scratch is like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> and just the animation, especially whenever um, Scratch is like, you know, going all out and being a scary ghost is absolutely phenomenal. Just the, the colors and the expressions, it, it's amazing. All, all of the, the work that goes into this. Yeah, Mercury does an excellent job with any project that they're given. Um, and I, th I think, you know, the asset-based animation that, you know, they, they use where it's, you know, building models and then working off of them, it, it lends itself really well to, um, to the style that the show's going for. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think it's also very interesting that they use a lot of um, one of the animators who was responsible for designing the characters posted the model sheet. And I think on the model sheet, they call them special poses. They're like, you know, there's they're very extreme poses. And there's a lot of them like when like when Scratch is haunting the family and when he's like he's cooped up in the in the draw and he's box shaped and then he kind yes. of goes out and and Molly has a lot of special poses as well, like when her eyes widen and, or, you know, when she, when she shows extreme expression, she's a very extreme with her expressions, but there's a lot of really good posing with that. Yeah, so Scratch has realized that now he's kind of stuck with them, because um, Molly explains that they've moved around a whole bunch, and that they're going to be making their forever home um, in Brighton. That actually happened before Scratch went and tried to haunt the rest of the family. Um, but after the the first song of the series, which is uh, which is which is a good one. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good lines. It's a very funny song because it's a straightforward like, oh, we're gonna be friends forever song, but then we get silly uh metaphors like yes. like a parasitic worm i'm inside of your heart i'll be with you to get uh, yeah i'm stuck with you together like poop on your shoe like, and stuff like <laughs> love that i mean comparing uh, it to phineas and ferb's first song she's candace i think i think it's a step up <laughs> definitely was that the first song i thought the first song was uh well the first song they wrote was get you get you goo yeah 
yeah, like in chronological order, it's like that was the first song to appear in the series. I, the first three songs that they wrote were uh, the theme song, the Perry the Platypus song, and Getchy Getchy Go. And that was when uh, Disney asked them, could you write a song for every episode? They're like, yes, we can do that. I'll be very interested to see what the first song from this show that goes viral is because with the way TikTok and the internet are, no, without a no, doubt, it's only one of these time. songs is going to blow up. So I'll be curious to see what what the people choose. I also love um, the line that the dad says. Um, like I believe the correct term is post living person. And um, oh, the other thing we forgot to mention is that. Um, um, Molly's mom and um, grandma are both um, Thai, so Molly is Thai American. Dad is not um, Thai, which is I'm assuming not even I'm assuming it, it's got to be where the, the McGee name comes from. And um, Grandma Nin um, tells Molly about how in Thailand they have um, ghost houses where the ghosts will live, and that and that you bring food and drink as an offering to your ghost. And the 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 strawberry. Strawberry soda, um, I think in particular, is a reference to in Thailand, Strawberry Fanta is almost exclusively sold for ghosts. <laughs> yes, I thought that was amazing. That I, I read a bit about that and I thought that was pretty funny. And I actually <laughs> tried Strawberry Fanta a couple days later to uh, see what it tastes like. It isn't that bad, but you know, it wouldn't be my soda of choice, but then again, I'm not a ghost, so well, I don't have... If you're living in Thailand, why would you ever drink Strawberry Phantom when they have Melon Frosty available? Which is just amazing, <laughs> and I wish they still had it at Club Cool, but they do have it at the Coca-Cola store at Disney Springs. They have that there, and it's, it's delicious. <laughs> and I don't know why more places in America wouldn't have it, other than just... I don't know. Maybe maybe it, it's a harder sell to get people interested in melon soda. I don't know. I think I think watermelon flavored anything that's not just pure watermelon was a mistake. Well, it's not watermelon. It's it, it's it's very much not watermelon. It's like different. I, I don't even really know how to describe it. It's just have you have you um you've tried it right? Uh no, I haven't. Melon frosty. Okay, I gotta have you try that at some point because it's good. Yeah, we we actually can can get it relatively easily over here. Yeah, um, and that's pretty much it for um for that episode. Basically, Scott is like, all right, we can do this on a trial basis. I want tacos. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second episode, first day frights, kind of is obviously going directly off of it. Um, in which it's uh, Molly's first day at school, and she's she's um, pretty nervous about it because um, you know it's it's important to make a good first impression. And Scratch is like, "Ooh, I can I can actually feed off of this, and maybe make it so that she moves away." And then she's like, "No, nah, I'm sure it'll be fine." Um, he he, and originally he tries to mess with her and make her slip, but that doesn't really work. But she ends up. Uh, accidentally insulting the uh the popular girl andrea by calling her andrea by mistake twice that was a fun bit (laughs) yes that's a good example of those extreme poses i was talking about because she keeps messing up with the name to her face and you know she's like oh wait is it andrea a e i o is there an umla in there is like andrea and each time 
come back to her, she's increasingly angry to the point where the last expression is like she has her teeth clenched and she's gritting her teeth. That's a very good example of those extreme poses I was talking about. Yeah, I love that. It's um, and the whole the whole rest of the day after that, it seems very much like the other the other kids at the school really do want to be friends with her, but you know, Andrea keeps um, being like, "No, you can't be friends with her because she insulted my honor." Yes, uh, everyone in the school pretty much bows down to Andrea, except for uh, Libby, who is a social hey. kid, because she happened to mispronounce Andrea's name on the first day. So she Just happened. Now. Yeah. So she happens to click with uh, Molly pretty fast since they're both pretty much the only social outcast in the school. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, Molly ends up in the, the, the bathroom eventually kind of like, you know, being like, okay, this day is, you know, this day is going horribly, but you know what? It's not just about the first day. It's about every day. Uh, you know, it, it's fine. I'll make one friend eventually. And Scratch is just kind of like, you got inspirational in a bathroom. She's like, oh yeah, it's my superpower. I can do it anywhere. I did it in a funeral once. <laughs> uh, and Scratch ends up accidentally um, scaring Andrea and causing her to pass out. And Amal like, oh, no. She's like, oh, this is bad. I got to get her to the nurse's office. Has no idea where the nurse's office is. Um, and, and and Scratch ends up causing, of course, you know, her to go careening all over the place and ends up at the assembly that she was invited to at the beginning before messing up Andrea's name. And Scratch is like, oh, I'm just going to open this curtain here. Um... But then, of course, he realizes that, you know, all, all these, um, all, all the kids at school, and actually, I, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode, there's kind of a bit where Scratch is trying to go into the into the, the club that was mentioned in the first episode, and, you know, all, all the other ghosts are like, he's the worst of the worst, who does he think he is? And you, you kind of get an echoing of that, where people are like, oh, she's the worst, who does she think she is? Um, and Scratch is like, oh, fine, I got to fix this. And he possesses Andrea, which is another just hilarious moment for poses, for sure. Um, I, I, yeah. again, I love the animation. It's, 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 it's perfectly hilarious and spooky at the same time. I just, I love it. Yes, it's definitely funny and creepy at the same time because you you hear Scratch's voice and Andrea's voice coming out of the same body at the same time, which kind of gives it that creepy feel. But at the same time, and we, we I think we kind of see this in a later episode where he possesses a bus driver. I don't think he's really good at how to control a human body. I guess it's not something he does that often because whenever he does it, they end up, it, it looks imperfect. Like the head is all always to the side and whenever he tries to move the arms and legs they go off in strange directions so yeah, it yeah. seems like that might be i mean besides it's being besides it being a funny thing to, for, for us to watch visually it's probably also kind of like them setting up the structure of their universe for the writers and and, and the and the storyboard artists like there, there needs to be a way to show like for for the for the kids and the people watching at home 
that when Scratch has taken over somebody's body to differentiate so that we, the viewer, know that Scratch is in control versus the characters around who don't know that. So that whole kind of, you know, it's not a, it's not exactly a zombie shamble, but it's just, but but it's like you said, like like somehow Scratch can't control all of the body parts all of the time. So at some points the head is lopsided, other points the arms are like you know seemingly dropping out of use. You know, like sometimes the character is literally slightly floating with the legs dangling underneath. It's just I love, I love that. Yeah, and um, that's another thing about the show that I'm kind of curious about. It's like I don't. It's 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 I. This is going to sound like a complaint, but I don't mean it to be. I think it's more of I think I would just need to watch the show more to pick up on it to see if there's any visual things I'm missing. But I kind of I'm not picking up on. It's kind of like Stewie on Family Guy. It's like when can everybody see Scratch and when can everybody not see Scratch? That's you know, kind of what I was wondering too. Um, the other thing I was kind of thinking uh, with the possession part was Jonathan, if your theory is correct that Scratch was never actually a living person, maybe that could also hint that he doesn't have quite the motor skills, you know, necessary to control the entire body at once because he doesn't really remember how that worked because he was never actually a person. Yeah, I think part of that, and as I was kind of thinking about it more too, what if it was more like a uh, of an L.P. Von Schweetz type Wreck-It Ralph sort of thing where like, He's meant to have a bigger, more important role, but he has been, you know, diminished or had his memory wiped or something. Yeah, that could um, be. I could definitely see that also being a possibility. Or uh, the show, and this is maybe going too far, but like, as for the show's end goal, do something similar to like The Good Place, where it requires a reform of the larger system of the world that scratches in. Uh, ends up being where the show goes and i have no clue um if any of you have seen the good place but just wanted to throw that out i have seen it but i'm criminally not caught up on it but it's it it, it's something i've needed to do because it's a really good show from what i have seen yeah i mean it's it's over at this point so there's there's not a whole lot of uh like there's no conversation around it anymore right but um but yeah scratch saves the day and uh while he's like well, he's like, see, I told you we were, you know, we were friends because you did that for me. And Scratch is like, no, I just didn't want to go to jail. <laughs> um, and that's kind of how um, that episode ends. And then the next one is um, Hal and Harriet. Oh, and of course, the other thing that happens uh, while, while Andrea is being possessed is not only does um, Scratch tell everyone to, you know, lay off on um molly and cut her some slack but also um libby is no longer an outcast actually it's kind of it's kind of reverse of how i said it because he says libby and then he says oh yeah and also molly (laughs) (laughs) i i feel like he kind of did that you know because he he does enjoy um picking on um picking on molly because you know of course she picked up immediately that it was scratch that was possessing andrea um Obviously, no one else except for maybe Daryl knows what's going on. And he goes to do it in, in less than one lesson. Um, and the the next episode actually introduces some other possibly interesting um, ghost lore. And that is, of course, the, the Hal and Harriet episode. Um, that's where we meet Jeff with a G-E-O-F-F instead of J-E-F-F. Why is he saying nobody's writing it down? Nobody's writing it down. 
Um, and in that episode, uh, Molly wants to go on a camping trip with whatever the scout group was. I, I didn't write down the name of the scout group. Fireside Girls. The, the <laughs> gener generic TV scout group. Yeah, I have the Wikipedia page. Says they're Wilder Scouts. Wilder Scouts. The Wilder Scouts. So she wants to go camping with the Wilder Scouts to figure out which one of these uh, three girls she's nailed it down to will be her new best friend. Um, I have to wonder, like, because just because of the way television works in general, you're on a sitcom and you're watching, you know, you see someone pull out a box of cereal and it's like, you know, cornflake brand cornflakes. And it's, you know, it's like nothing can ever just be a product or an actual thing that people recognize because it's like, oh, then there's all these legal issue involved issues involved. So it's like over the whole, it's, it's 2021. I have to wonder if there's a database of all of the fake Boy Scout and Girl Scout things that have been <laughs> created because if each show has to invent their own version of this, it's like what's left to be. It's like, uh, well, they're, it, they're the Scouty girls. No, that's already done. Um, how about the 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 uh, the Junior Woodchucks? No, that's Ducktales. Oh crap. Okay. Um, the 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 Wilder Scouts. Has that been done yet? No. You can, okay, fine. It took well, us eight hours. We finally figured out one we can use. If you watch the the insane um deep dive on iCarly that Quinn and Reviews did. Uh, I think he said at one point that the Sunshine Girls appeared in both iCarly and also I want to say like Sunny with a Chance. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if that one's just so non-specific that you couldn't possibly trademark it because it's like, no, this is this is too much. Wombie Marsh himself said in an interview, oh, someone told me on the Carol Burnett show, there used to be a running gag where Carol was, you know, this really annoying, perky Girl Scout, and she was one of the Fireside Girls, and was that where Phineas and Ferb got the name from? And he was like, no, it's a complete coincidence. I wasn't aware of that. So there's definitely going to be a lot of cases of great minds thinking alike. Yeah, it's like in uh, Milo Murphy's Law, they reference the game like Creatures and Caverns. And then in Amphibia, Marcy references the game Caverns and Creatures. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> this will be fun eventually, guys. Trust me. <laughs> there was an old movie that was made to, you know, be about like, you know, the all those parents in the 80s who were legitimately afraid of Dungeons and Dragons, um, <laughs> like trying to make a movie about it, or, you know, to like show the, the evils of it. And I believe it was called Mazes and Monsters. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the star of that movie was Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> really? And on Maze the show Monsters is a hell of a game. And um uh, on the show Riverdale, they did a season where um which is, you know, based on the Archies if you didn't know. They have a game on that called Griffins and Gargoyles. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, the birthplace of Dungeons and Dragons. So huh. that's that's part of the reason why I know all this stuff. <laughs> I forget. There was one Disney Channel show recently where they just straight out said YouTube, and there was a lot of there was a lot of hype about it. I forget which one it was though. There's been a couple that have referenced it, but then that they also have to reference some sort of fake app later to to throw all of that into question. Or I remember um, another egregious example I can think of, and this obviously isn't a Disney show, but in the Scream TV series, in like the first episode, the caption said Twitter. But then the it was obviously dubbed as a chirpster or something like that. I'm like, what is that? No, come on. 
What one one random detail um as they're getting to the the campsite is the the sign has the letter fall off and it kills a bird. Yeah. <laughs> and I then like see the ghost bird hanging out later with the other birds. So the bird doesn't know that it's dead. Yes. And I like how they set that up as a running gag later because every time we see Jeff, the ghost of the dead bird is with him. <laughs> and Scratch eats poison berries and Molly's like, what are you doing? He's like, you know, I'm already dead, right? <laughs> that is interesting that ghosts can eat physical food. Yeah. Uh, well, because of course that's the whole thing with um, the, the offering, as we said earlier. Um, he does actually consume the food. Um, and we get a really fun uh, montage set to the the song, Who's Got the Goods, where unfortunately poor uh, poor Libby uh, is having a rough time at camp. And she says earlier that she didn't really want to go camping, but her parents thought it would be good for her to um, spend time with kids her age outdoors. I feel that. That's why I was in marching band. <laughs> And of course, um, Scratch this whole time has been plotting a scare. Um, he's been plotting to scare them because, you know, it'll be really good for his uh, scare quota. He has to have a certain number of scares per month, um, which is also the basis of the, um, the Chibi Tiny Kill short that they did, where he actually goes to different, um, different, different TV um, verses and scares different characters. Like, he scares Doofenshmirtz. He scares Scrooge. He tries to scare um, Ann and Sprig, but it doesn't work. He um, shows up at the Owl House and King's like, no, nah, forget it. <laughs> and then uh, he gets summoned by a Ouija board by um, Tilly and whatever her friend's name is. I forget what Tilly's friend's name is. I was in that short. But and then he gets backed up by Grandma Green. <laughs> yes. Tilly and I would probably get along very well based on that short. Oh, yes, absolutely. So he's like, oh my goodness, a ghost, yes! <laughs> Campaign for official crossovers in the future. Yeah, because the I love the Tiny Tail shorts, but it's, and the, the other like, like, uh, random rings, but I'm like, it's not enough. It's not enough. There needs to be more. There needs to be more, like, actual crossovers that happen. Yeah, for sure. Because the potential of how these characters could interact is just, it's too good to ignore. Maybe one of the Owl House season three specials will be a crossover. That would be great, but I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> um, and I like I like the whole thing with, uh, with Hal and Harriet, where, of course, Libby tells the story of um, this woman who sold uncured salami on a Wednesday. Yeah, the laws were different back then. And she got chased out of town and hit by a train and all that they found were her mangled toes and she's been in search of them ever since. Basically, it's kind of a riff on the Headless Horseman. Yeah. Uh, and she looks for toes of unsuspecting campers. And uh, Scratch is like, well, hey, Jeff, why don't you go scare them dressed as Hal and Harriet? And he's like, yeah, no, that's ridiculous. It, who would possibly believe that? Yeah, she's real. <laughs> And what, what's interesting is, I guess, if you're a ghost that has unfinished business, um, you're much more demonic than, like, how Scratch is, because, um, um, of course, um, Hal and Harriet does, in fact, show up, and um, um, the other girls run away, Molly just gets picked up, and she just looks annoyed, she's like, 
seriously, Scratch, you know I'm not scared by this. And Scratch is like, and Scratch is, you know, complaining about how, how Jeff decided to do this and that he looks ridiculous. And then Jeff shows up next to him. It's like, and he's like, wait, if, if you're there, then who's that? And it has a very similar energy to um, the, that time that, um, that Patrick was supposed to dress up in the gorilla suit. And then there's another guy in a gorilla suit, and it's like, wait, if you're if you're Patrick, then who's that? And then the the, the other Patrick is actually the gorilla. It kind of has a similar energy to that, and I love it so much. It's something funny you could do since the main characters happen to be a ghost and someone who knows that ghosts exist. That they aren't faced by ghosts, so when they go see another ghost another ghost comes along they're just like oh that's the ghost i already know so it's just kind of a, a funny humor potential you probably if you did it too much it would overkill it but using it for that episode it perfectly fits with the- I, I, I agree i think it worked perfectly it was and um and of course molly runs over to uh libby and is like hey we need to we need to craft some toes to give to this ghost quickly um and she does that, and they give the toes to um, Hal and Harriet, and she turns into a normal ghost, and then supposedly leaves peacefully. I'm not sure if like she's supposed to haunt people now or how any of that works, because we haven't really gotten into the, the 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 finer details of how this universe really works yet. Uh, I, I have a feeling that'll come up, but they they did mention that um, as long as nobody mentions. Um, anything about Hal and Harriet to the ghost counselor scare reports looking pretty good this month. So uh, I'm I, again, I'm not really sure how any of that works, but it'll be interesting to see how that, how that kind of stuff plays out. And um, Scratch accidentally calls Jeff his buddy and it, Jeff is like, you actually said, you, you said I'm your buddy. <laughs> and he's very happy with that. And he's like, oh, fine, whatever. And Molly's about to ask, um, Libby, if she wants to be um, best friends, and then Libby asks her if she wants to be best friends. I'm just like, oh, that's a cute moment. Also, I think we should probably take a second to um, to address something that's been happening. Um, just because two characters are friends and they are both the same gender does not mean you have to ship them. Yes, and please don't lash out at the creators and spread libel about them and call them homophobic just because they specifically stated that out. They're trying to not get your hopes up because they're just trying to explain the actual situation just so they don't get your hopes up in the future. You don't get your hopes up in the future. Yeah, but it... If something does happen further, that's great. If not, that's perfectly valid too. You know, they said they said there was going to be other um, LGBT representation in the show too. So I, it's like just wait. There's literally only five episodes of the show out so far. You know, you can you, you can hold on for a little bit. Cartoon Twitter is is wild. It is. Yeah. It really is. I think I think part of it is with you know. Obviously, with uh, Luz and Amity, everyone like you know was super pumped about that. Now that's all people want. But I'm like that if that was if that was in every show, it wouldn't be interesting anymore. So you know, got to mix it up sometimes. Got to have some different dynamics. You know, you don't want you don't just want the same dynamic in every show. Mighty Magiswords, uh, which um, 
because uh, <laughs> we didn't mention this at the upfront uh, for any new listeners, I was uh, one of the storyboard artists on the show, and I also um, did some writing and some voice acting on it. So, um, so basically, I'm, I'm saying this from a like behind the scenes point of view. Um, it's at that time, you know, of course, we had uh, at Cartoon Network Adventure Time and Steven Universe happening, and OK KO got started, and there was some cool stuff going on there. But like our show really wasn't like the kind of show that that was. It's like Mantiswords basically got launched as an experiment in like you know them trying to figure out like okay, are we a TV network? Are we a streaming platform? What's going on? You know, it was like this kind of this teetering point before the streaming platform thing really took off and everybody had one now and you know certainly before HBO Max existed. So so basically it wasn't the MO of a show like Magic Swords to get into issues like that. <laughs> um but it, I always kind of noticed uh for some for whatever reason there were only I think like two like couples on the show that were revolved <laughs> uh, involved with each other romantically which is uh Van Bramper Ohio's mom and dad <laughs> Caplanica and Norman and then there's uh this character this uh adorable woman named Food and her boyfriend Snacks so there was Food and Snacks <laughs> and and Norman Caplanica and that was pretty much it <laughs> it was just kind of like just even like basic like romancy romance really was never much part of the show there was one character that that had you know you know it started out as like oh he has a crush on Vamber but then they kind of toned that down just to being more like uh you know uh him just trying to you know become better friends with her and that maybe you know something else would happen later but yeah it's just so i guess the reason why i brought all this up is because you know if if there isn't you know that type of representation or even like you know romance of sh or shipping of any kind at all to show it isn't always about you know you know that you know let them intentionally leaving out things you know it, or, or trying to exclude anybody it's just about so it's like not all shows were created for you know those type of purposes and it's certainly awesome that now you know so many more shows are being so inclusive i remember watching you know 2017 ducktales and then seeing oh, i forgot the character's name but that one of the one of the new girl characters like just the, it was at that one thing and she had two dads and i was just kind of like yes cool you know it's like just like starting to work that stuff in it's like if you work it in here and there and all over the places then all of a sudden it's like oh it's just totally normal and you know nobody makes a, a big deal out of it anymore because the representation has been represented so <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think i think that's probably more important than even doing it in the, in the main um body of the show is just make sure that you have that in the background because it's you know it, it, it is normal and it is you know it's good to it's good to show that absolutely but it's like let these relationships develop naturally in the the writing of the show you know you don't you don't need to try to ship stuff right out of the gate or if you want to just understand that it may not actually happen and that's fine i think this this is this has come also just from the fact that so so many children have twitter like 13 and under like like i feel like a lot of these issues stem from people ages like 12 to 16 and it's like this may be controversial but i really don't think you should be on twitter that young you really like shouldn't. you and it's it's not it's not healthy for development or growth and it just it, it just breeds toxicity because you know kids aren't socially aware of how anything works and yeah well uh, not not necessarily twitter this was a stream but there was an amphibious stream 
that they did ahead of season three that was really meant more for um, animation, like, like people that wanted to be in the animation industry than anything, but it got, the chat got totally spammed by by shippers. And it's like, guys, this is not what this is for. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was a mess. That was a mess. Um, but I think that's how enough many... to talk about shipping for now, unless anyone else has anything they want to add. I just want to know how many people are shipping Scratch and Jeff? Everyone's seen it. <laughs> I think you're the first. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm doing it. I'm wondering if other people are. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know. Um, and so the next episode, of course, is The Unnatural. And this is a fun one because uh, it, it, in a way, you would kind of say it's, it's almost like a riff on uh, Angels in the Outfield. Well, obviously, the, the title is referencing The Natural. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, Molly's watching the the Lemmings, which is their softball team, uh, which Libby and a couple of the other um, girls are on, and they're terrible. They're terrible. Even Molly can't put a spin on how terrible they are because they're so terrible. <laughs> and I love Scratch's line um, when Molly's like, "They don't believe in themselves," and Scratch is like, "Well, they believe correctly because follow me on this. They're losers." <laughs> um, and so Molly's like, "Well, I'm going to join the team and and." You know, based on everything I've learned from animated movies, I'm going to join the team and and um, and help them win through the power of positive thinking. Have you ever wanted to play softball before? Have you ever played softball before? No, no to both, but that's okay because we can do this. Um, and basically, Scratch ends up helping her cheat. <laughs> and she doesn't realize until the end of the first game. And she's like, oh, that was you and your ghosty powers. And um, Scratch is having a good time with this. So he's like, yeah, but think about Think about the lemmings. Think about Brighton and happify them. And uh, and because Molly says the thing about she wants to unhappify Brighton, and Scratch is like, "Is that a word?" Um, so a, jokes as far as the songs were concerned. During the first game, we have this whole montage, and there's this inspirational song. If you believe, you can do anything. And then, you know, when they realize, okay, it's not really belief, we get another montage. And then it's like, if you believe... And, and cheat a little. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's just so, so good. Also, uh, Cloud on the Mound is a pretty good insult, I gotta say. <laughs> is the circus town because there's a Cloud on the Mound? Um... And um, Molly ends up finding out that the whole team still doesn't believe in themselves. They just are like, well, yeah, but, but you know, you know, we don't need to believe in ourselves because we've got you. You're our team deodorant. She's like, not crazy about that nickname. <laughs> I, I, I really like how even though uh, Molly is uh, uh, just this ball of positivity, even she has her limits and even she can be like, okay, now, now. No, <laughs> you know she she's a she feels like a real person. She doesn't feel like you know just 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 she she's not happy to the point of it being absurd. Yes, she's an optimist to a point. She looks yeah. on the bright side, but even she knows when there are limits. Um, the other the other joke that I really like is um when the the ghost council summons scratch um from the the game and is like just and scratch is like just stall i'll be back um they're like well so you've submitted your scare report and you said that you scared billy palmer and terrified william palmer 
are they the same person? He's especially like, oh, uh, maybe. Well, they are the same person. You're, you're one scare short. Scare someone else today. The showrunners, I forget if it was Bill or Bob, uh, they actually posted the scare log prop from this episode. And it's very interesting to look at because um, it starts out very, it, it references the other episodes. Like one of the first things is June 2nd, The Trespassers, Hid in a Cupboard, Ruined Cereal, which is a reference to the first episode, The Curse. And it just keeps on going. There are references to other episodes and some other strange things. And then by the the fourth page of the scare report it's a whole big thing on june 30th so he's trying to fulfill his quota like he knows he doesn't have enough scares which is probably why he repeated it because one of the scares says billy palmer on the actual prop and then it says william palmer so you know scratch probably knew at that time that he's in deep and he's probably like well you know if i just cheat on this one and change the name a little they won't notice but of course they noticed while it's interesting, it just it it breaks my heart that we're already having continuity issues with that whole schedule being in June and school in America has never started in June anywhere. I was gonna say, and what's up with that? I was like, I was like, come on, guys, you had so much figured out. Why is it, why is it June? That doesn't like, maybe maybe Brighton is a twelve month school instead of a, a nine month school, and that's part of why everyone's so miserable there. Well, it does say on the prop itself, use scare log from previous episode. If it's a new month, I can adjust. So maybe they didn't adjust okay. it. Into, maybe it's different in the actual episode. I'll have to go back and look and see the prop well, in the act. The, the schedule that uh, that Jeff pulls up says it's June. Okay. Mm. But that that was that was said. Um, the, the line there was, well, that looks um, that looks like it's uh, fabricated, but yeah, I'm go. You said I I come visit you two weeks after never. Well, that looks doctored. That looks doctored. Plus <laughs> uh, the fact that Jeff is doing it like he doesn't. What the actual month is probably doesn't matter. I mean, that could be a calendar from years ago. You know, it doesn't matter what true. month of the it actually is. He's scratching off a thing and putting never or, or whatever. Right. But if the Sterlog says June, that that should be accurate. Uh, that wouldn't make any sense unless it is a twelve month school, which I think a middle school could be a twelve month school. Um, but high schools usually are going to just be the nine month. So I don't know because I know obviously twelve month schools are a thing, or they yeah. have different they have different uh, different tracks that you could be on so that you're off on different times because it helps them um, it helps them kind of use um classrooms more efficiently by having you know available space filled in but who knows maybe maybe we'll get an answer to that down the road or maybe someone could ask um maybe someone could ask on twitter <laughs> yes uh for those interested the showrunners are bill Motts is at inevitably bill and bob roth is at automatic gravy and they've been answering a lot of fan questions so if you want to reach out to them there there's where you can do it maybe one of us could ask it so is it a 12 month school or is it, is it june or is it or what's going on um okay yeah. it was the good console and then scratch comes back and, she, and molly she, managed to give up 17 runs <laughs> yes uh, how, the, how did you give up 17 runs it was a bore of, of balls and bats and humiliation. Well, it doesn't matter because I'm back. And I'm always like, no, we're going to win this on our own. 
And Scratch was like, that's a terrible idea, but okay. And um, Libby ends up actually catching the, the ball that gets hit, and um, and it's an out, and that ends the game. Uh, and uh, everyone's, you know, obviously super excited and cheering for Libby. And then uh, Libby ends up breaking her leg after she gets dropped by the, 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 the kid that picked her up. But also, yeah, so not only did she break her leg, but she also lost a tooth. <laughs> yeah, hit in the face. I wonder if that, 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 uh, I wonder if that was one of her uh, permanent teeth and she has to wear uh, uh, the fake thing like, like Melissa does. She, pop, she caught a pot fly with her face. And you know, she does speak with a little bit of a, of a lisp after that, so. I, I think that might be one of those cartoon things where the tooth will just grow back. It might, yeah. I will say, you know, talking about the end of this episode with, um, you know, they win the game, obviously, and then Scratch gets his his last scare on the uh, the leader of the other team that lost. Um, I think that was a really that was a really strong, well set up ending gag, um, and I and I say that because in in the next set of episodes, there's one called Welcome to Mollywood, and uh, the end gag that is ended on is simply just scratch farting and while well set up you know i was really sad that the show stooped to fart jokes so soon it it really like like it i'll, I'll admit like i finished the episode and i just like it kind of like drained my energy i was just like man i was enjoying this really fun unique comedy and it's like now we're just literally the final joke of the episode it's not even like a joke midway it's just like that's the statement you're leaving the episode on as a fart joke. I, I don't know. That 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 just made me feel like, come on, you can do better. <laughs> I think I, I mean I think it, it kind of works for, for Scratch because he is supposed to be kind of kind of gross. Um but well and also um that was kind of you know like um I don't, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. So we could we can we should probably come back to that when we get to that episode. Um, yeah in a few minutes um because the next episode is sort of i mean it's not a two-parter but kind of is spiritually a two-parter in a way because it's yeah. um it's the band shell arc it's the two episode band shell arc so of course the whole thing starts with the mcgee's volunteering and um scratch was told that they were going to the uh the taco convention which was not what they were actually doing of course um and he he forms like a, a like a wall in front of the 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 community center. He's like, uh, he's like, no way, no how, we're not doing this. And Molly's like, well, you know what my favorite thing about ghosts is? You can just walk right through them. So I'm just like, that that's that what you people just did is considered very rude in the ghost world. <laughs> um. Also, Daryl has a has a toy called the Obnoxitron. <laughs> which um which kind of comes back in no it kind of comes, comes back later on in the episode um and so they're helping um they're helping the old folks at the 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 center do various things including aerobics and um and the dad is listening to this one guy that is uh talking about how you know libraries shouldn't be f funded by taxpayer money and people should pay for green lights 
<laughs> which yeah that's kind of like okay um you know that's that that's a thing um that we met uh we ended up meeting um we ended up meeting Patty, um, and she's talking to, to Molly, and uh, Molly sees this, um, this old picture of the uh, Brighton band shell, and Patty tells her about how they used to have, you know, um, concerts out in the park, and everyone would bring a picnic and dance to the music, um, and of course, of course uh, Molly gets the idea, of, well, hey, it, you know, it was destroyed, we should try to rebuild it, we should um, go talk to the city or the town council and see if we can get it rebuilt. Um, and I like how, I like how it kind of, um, she pitches this, this massive mega arena with like all this different stuff, like, and, and Daryl's using the Obnoxitron to make sound effects for it, you know, a uh, huge sporting arena with a world-class water park and a dog and a dog run and other, all this other stuff. Um, and they're like, well, we, we, we can't support that in this town. That's too, you know, that's too much. Um. Come back with something more realistic um and of course she did that as so that it could be a bait and switch where it's like okay well how about we build this which is completely reasonable <laughs> and scott scotch is like i saw her build both models and i still did not see that coming <laughs> it's that classic start with something bigger and then you know you like i have the smaller quest you want in mind but pitch it as something bigger to make the smaller quest seem more feasible yeah um uh, the, the original arena looks like something out of Phineas and Ferb. Like the thing that she pitches at first looks like something out of Phineas and Ferb. Uh, I wrote in my notes, Scratch, I know what we're going to do today. <laughs> hey, and well, we basically learned that we kind of have kind of like a entire army of senior citizens who is willing to build anything. So that's very Phineas and Ferbish, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um... Also, uh, we do get a point of view of what other people see when Scratch does something that isn't actively staring someone because he knocks over the chair and just like, it's like the one frame, like the flower dying in the Emperor's New Groove where just, and now it's falling over. <laughs> so it isn't even like it gets like thrown and just like, you know, and now it's on the floor, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. We get, um, there's another version of that later on in the episode too. And at that point, we get um, Molly, Molly and her family deciding, well, hey, we can just raise the money on our own. And so we get the song where they're asking for money, which um, is, is like a G-rated version of the, the song from uh, Avenue Q. Oh, yes, very much so. Yes. <laughs> Give us your money. <laughs> or some puppets will get shot. Yes. The, uh, after your giant yeah, SUV, which to be honest, you should probably be selling anyways. Electric cars are affordable and reliable. <laughs> and we get to do a little more to decrease our carbon footprint. Molly coming from a poor family telling others that they need to spend money on on electric cars. <laughs> <laughs> when when as we see in uh in the not the next episode, but the one after that. They can't even afford repairs on their old car, much less buy a new one. I feel um, like the statement electric cars are affordable might be an overgeneralization. Yeah, maybe just a little bit. Um, also, yeah, scratch off like, the credit union. Yeah, 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 that was one of the best parts of the whole the thing. Die back. Mortgaging their houses and things, and like, and then Scratch comes with this big sack of money, and there's like, 
You didn't rob a bank in order to get us money. No, I just rob a bank. It was a credit union. <laughs> yeah. Take it back. Take it back. <laughs> they don't have the money to actually cover labor. Um, they have the money to get the materials, so they're like, okay, well, we can just have a, a volunteer work day. Um, and so, of course, they put flyers up across the whole town, and at first, it seems like nobody shows up. Um, but then the senior citizens show up, and um, and Molly does her told you dance, which includes a dab, because why not? And we get another shot similar to earlier in this episode, where we see the, the point of view of the other people that can't see Scratch. Um, so I think it really is just selective, like, who he shows himself to at what time, but then, like, you know, like, dogs can see him. The, the citizens show up and other people show up. And um, during this song where they're where they're building the new band shell, one guy almost like 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 is about to just die and, and his ghost is leaving his body scratch is like, oh no, you don't. <laughs> and he's like, okay, let's go back to work. I'm like, that's that's kind of dark, but also really funny. <laughs> like this dude just freaking dies. Goes, sure, why not? Um, and then kind of the, the ending of the episode is like, well, who's going to play the van shell? Well, Miss McGee, I must admit, I'm impressed. You brought the whole town together and got the band shell built. So, who's going to play it? Oh, oh, no. Okay, I didn't think about that. Uh... <laughs> Not you, Daryl! <laughs> He's so good on that <laughs> The Ghost and Molly McGee! And of course, that leads directly into the next episode where they're having auditions. And the McGees are much more measured in their criticism, uh, but uh, Patty tells everyone that they're terrible. I love Patty. Patty's great. She, she might be my favorite um, supporting character that we've seen that's, like, obviously a much more minor character, but I really, I really like her. She's really cool. Um, and, of course, the, the, the country star they want to get to perform... Um, the song that he um, sings reminds me very much of that Bo Burnham song, where he's um, where he's parodying country songs. Yes, exactly. I, that thought came to mind too for me. Just uh, uh, that song is called "Pandering" by Pandering. Bo Burnham. Yes. A dirt road, a cold beer, a blue jeans, a red pickup, a rural noun, simple adjective. I'm just a sports loving drunk diving average dude. I'm just an ordinary guy working a cubicle. Ordinary guy. I'm a soccer cartoon. Ordinary guy. The visuals of that are great. You know, he's like saying, you know, I'm an ordinary guy. I just eat burgers and I'm working at the office. And you see him at the office, and there's this eagle in every shot. So when he's in the <laughs> office, Eagle is stapling a bunch of papers together. <laughs> <laughs> that episode ended differently than I expected because when, when Scratch uh, takes over the bus driver and makes uh, and makes the tour bus you know crash into the thing, I was expecting that Scratch was then going to jump inside uh, the stunt double's body and then do the concert, <laughs> so that it was still supposedly Kenny Starr performing but it was scratch in the stunt double body doing it. So yeah, that would have been, I think that would have been fun, but also I think, I think what ended up happening was kind of a, kind of a interesting bait and switch. And they mentioned the other, um, yeah, the other, um, person Daryl really likes, what was her name again? Atomic pink. Atomic pink. 
And the scratch kind of makes a comment of, well, all, all these bands these days sound the same, right? Yeah, I know. Country Star is completely different from a K-pop, um, K-pop group. But they still like it anyways. Yes. Yeah. We're jumping uh, ahead, but there was, you know, there we get to the point where, you know, Molly has this whole plan, which is a very funny sequence in itself, where she goes like, you know, that he has to have Colombian coffee every 3.1 hours, and you have to factor in the fact that he he's going to do all these stretches so he doesn't get varicose veins but before that you know um she brings the projector down and you know so yes, i think bored. where did we get the projector and she starts to go you know i have a great idea and all of a sudden scratch goes in and interrupts we're gonna murder him oh we're gonna murder him <laughs> also i like um how the dad uh, upon hearing the the kenny star song is like, oh, so he's just a regular guy, just like me. And the mom's like, no, nothing like you. Uh, uh, you know, she, she goes on a whole thing about how she's been burned by musicians in the past. I I want to learn more about the mom's backstory because she, both in this episode and the next one, she has very funny moments where obviously yeah. she's been burned in the past. Oh, yeah. The, the line about uh, where he goes of, you know, we're going to murder. It's like that made me laugh out loud because uh, I know, I mean, I know every, it's probably different for every network and different for every show within that network. But, uh, you know, sometimes you're just not allowed to say certain words on shows because, you know, you're afraid of how it's going to affect the kiddos that are watching. Um uh, like for example on Magiswords, we could say that an object was stupid but we couldn't say that a person was stupid so if you stub your toe on the you know table you can say ah stupid table but you couldn't call another person stupid uh we also had to be careful with how we uh referenced uh the concept of death <laughs> like sure. like you know so instead of saying something something or something or something was dead we had to say not alive or whatever so the fact that on this show he he just straight up says we're gonna murder him like that made me laugh so hard <laughs> well i think when you have a, a show where the one of the main characters is a ghost it's kind of a moot point you know, know? We ghosts on our show i don't know why we couldn't you know like there was like one of the one of the shorts um in reference to their other previous adventures for is talking to Vamper goes now I love almost dying but I think blah 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 so I tried to work in references to the phrase like you know I love almost dying in future episodes but by the time we got there they said like oh no you can't say that it's like we said it before what up you know yeah anyway, but yeah just uh ugh, such so much funniness ah uh, S and P. <laughs> um, I have in my notes they should have gotten love handle to perform <laughs> <laughs> um, also um, when I was watching this on Disney Plus I have captions turned on just as a default and the captions ruined the stunt double joke because they had it say stunt double and not um, Kenny Starr you know so I'm like seriously captions what the heck Yeah, captions are never going to be perfect, but I think they're good for catching a lot of overlapping dialogue. True. Um, but, um, yeah, so they um, they get to the gas station, and the bus does does pull up, but it's not actually Kenny Starr. It's a stunt double, and um, 
at that point, um, Molly's like, well, we did everything we could. That, that I guess we're just not going to have a concert. And she's very bummed about that, as is the whole family. And um, the mom's kind of like, well, it's best that you learn this lesson now. The musicians will always disappoint you. <laughs> um, and Scratch, of course, hates seeing Molly sad at this point because he's like, as he says, as he said before, it's like, well, this is no fun if you're sad. Um, and he tries to go and um, and get Kenny Starr from his plane, but that obviously is not going to work because he is not that fast. <laughs> I wonder if maybe they did want to have him catch up with the plane, but then they're like, wait, then we have to crash the plane into the band shell and that's not really going to work. Um, so instead, um, he, he finds, a, like, like I said, the random tour bus, and it turns out to be Atomic Pink, and um, he crashes it through several cornfields <laughs> to get there. And, um, and uh, Molly's about to explain to the whole crowd that's gathered at the band shell that there's not going to be a concert, and the bus crashes. And a couple of the seniors are like, well, time to go back to work, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure by the time we see the band shell again it'll be fixed mm -hmm. um but the bus has crashed there and scratch is like i got i got i got i got a you know i got i got a big pop star possibly even more than one i don't know um and he, he has them all get out of the bus and perform and they're like hello cleveland your town is a lot smaller than we thought it would be <laughs> <laughs> I will say I do like I really like the small town vibe and the the feel like like this town is full of living people I think in other modern cartoons um, specifically kind of thinking of like Steven Universe and its first season um, like the town can really feel empty it's like oh unless we have a character exploring this episode uh, you know there's there's nobody else there but this this whole world feels alive without the need to give an episode to explore each specific character it's not like okay we have to introduce this character in their own episode and then they can be a part of the world it's just like the characters are all just existing and there and i think that's something you definitely feel throughout these first five episodes um it's just like the town of brighton is is a town sure it's it's poor and partly abandoned but there are people there there are things happening and i think that's one of the show's greatest strengths for sure absolutely that's feels like a lived in town or a town that you yourself could live in and you know kind of relate to the people there like the simpsons has been on the air for for practically ever and it feels like a real town to us in springfield because we've had so many episodes that flesh out each of the supporting characters so they feel like family but a show like this it doesn't really need us to be have episodes about you know minor characters to live in the town they can just show up and say a few lines and give a few jokes and it actually feels like a real town and it's kind of difficult to do something like that especially when each episode is 11 minutes long but they they're already starting to create a sort of aesthetic like, oh, this is a real town with real people, as silly as it may be, but it still feels real. Do you know how many characters there are on The Simpsons, Morty? They didn't have a episode where George Bush was their neighbor. <laughs> uh, I'm the resident old person on this podcast because I'm old enough to remember before The Simpsons existed. Wow. Yeah. The, the TV series version of The Simpsons premiered 
on television on my 16th birthday. Oh, yeah. Have you have you watched it for its most of its run? I've watched all of it for its entire run. <laughs> wow. How, how do you feel about the change? I'm just curious. It's a little off topic, but like I know everybody's got their own take on when The Simpsons got bad or whatever. In my opinion, The Simpsons never got bad. <laughs> never stopped being funny. It's just I, I think it's not like I kind of like what was said in the the Escape from Walt Disney episode about Last Sex at the Springfield. It's just never. It just hasn't really reached these heights in a long time. Yeah, but my it's two, still my, very good. My two, my two statements about The Simpsons and, and that type of thinking is uh, anyone who says The Simpsons haven't anyone who says The Simpsons hasn't been funny since season ten hasn't watched The Simpsons since season ten. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, uh, people were like, "Oh, the concept of jumping the shark," and people were like, "When are The Simpsons going to jump the shark?" And the and the answer to that has always been both. They already have, and they never will. Yeah, it's it's. I it's, think like what Mad Magazine used to say: their stock answer for when did you guys stop being funny? When you stopped reading us. <laughs> so yeah, it's a uh, because every so often I'll have like a friend of mine or whatever like catch a you know an episode from the past few years of The Simpsons. They'll be like, "Man, that was really funny." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Try watching the show. There was an episode that came out last season. Oh man, I'm gonna look up the title of it just because um I'm sorry, I, I know what I want to get back on topic here, but um let's see. Uh well just while we're on the topic, I think uh some of my favorite modern episodes of The Simpsons recently that I've seen. Um I love the the brick like me one. The the Lego, yeah. the Lego one. That was fun. And I love the the Halloween um, episode that was not Treehouse of Horror, but was the whole um, thing with the Halloween Horror Nights type event. Yeah, that was really good. Um, okay, so the episode I'm, I wanted to mention is, uh, and there are a bunch of other great ones in this in, in season 32 from last year, but last year, season 32, episode 15, it is called Do Pizza Bots Dream of Electric Guitars? And it's a, and it, that's the other thing that's so funny specifically for me being a Simpsons fan since it started in 1990 is that, you know, Homer and Marge were supposed to be baby boomers, uh, you know, raising a family and oh, shut up phone, stop making noises. <laughs> so, um, and, and so, but yeah, it's like if you, whenever they would do those early episodes showing uh, Homer and Marge in high school, it was like very obvious that this was you know, late sixties or early seventies or like whatever that is, you know, aesthetic, it's how the timeline worked. Um, so this episode, it shows Homer Simpson when he's 14 years old and he's 14 years old in the nineties. So Homer Simpson's, and he's totally into hip hop. So he has posters. He has a digital underground Humpty hump poster in his room and like all this other, and it's, I don't want to like spoil anything else. Cause I just want people to see it, but it's like this episode was, it's like, if, if I hadn't, if I, if I was like, you know, if I had my memory memory erased and I, and then I saw this episode, I'd be like, Oh, cool. I didn't realize that I got a job on the Simpsons writing and storyboarding for the show. Cause I very clearly wrote and storyboarded this entire episode. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the most me episode of the, of the Simpsons I have ever seen. And it was like wonderful and delightful. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, that's, that's, that's my, t Oh, the other thing I wanted to say uh, that ties into the Simpsons, uh, that, uh, that actually, uh, I might as well mention it now since I'm talking so much. Um, is how the, when the Simpsons started, they were meant to be like this, you know, 
like struggling, you know, barely middle class family who had trouble paying for things. Like, you know, they had they had, you know, like they had to raise money to like get something new or important that was in society that you know would be expensive. And then at some point, just because I'm assuming it became, you know, too much of a of a maybe even a repeated plot line, you're just kind of like, ah, that's you don't have to worry about that anymore. Let's just make some stories happen. They kind of stopped needing to necessarily worry about you know where the Simpsons were getting their money from, or Homer even actually working his job anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so, so yeah. But on, on this show, it was like so cool and interesting to be like, oh, it, they're actually showing that here's this family and they're in this house and things are breaking down and the car breaks down. And it's like, they actually need to make an effort to, you know, make enough money as a, as a, you know, dual income household to get by with a mom and dad and two kids and, and, and an up and coming hungry ghost. So. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have to sign off now, but before I do, I just want to go into one thing about the next episode that kind of relates to that, since uh, Luke kind of brought it up, uh, Mama's Gotta Hustle, which was one of my favorite episodes. I, uh, well, y- you folks will talk about it more, but before I leave, I just want to point out the fact that I thought it was very, you know, very well done, Like as Luke said, you know, the whole concept of them having to pay for something, but I love the, the subplot with uh, P and Daryl finding the the door <laughs> in the basement and what could lie behind it. That that seems like they are pretty much Homer and Bart Simpson. They share the same brain cell. And if you leave them alone without the women in the house, they're <laughs> bound to that. That was like one of the best subplots of the entire series so far. The whole thing, like, you know, Centipede World probably doesn't exist. Well, yes, but until recently you thought Ghost didn't exist. You make a very well, good point. Sure. You make a very good point. Okay. Um, you folks are probably going to discuss more, but I just want to sign off. I just want to tell folks how they can reach me on social media. My main twitter where i discuss animation and current events and anything else that's on my mind which is a lot is at rw mead i run the official phineas and ferb wiki twitter page which is at pn the letter n pnf underscore wiki and i also run my own um slide twitter which is a fan page uh, posting news and other things related to the loud house which is at loud ramblings i wish i could stay to discuss all the rest of the episodes which are some of my favorite but unfortunately due to calls but it was great to be a guest and i hope to talk to you all in the future uh you folks- have you on Thank you. And for those of you listening, uh, enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll definitely look forward to listening to it once it comes out. Uh, so long for now. Hi, Ryan. Um, so, um, yeah, we've reached uh, Mama's Got a Hustle, which, you know, we kind of already talked, started talking about. Um, yeah, the car breaks down and they have to figure out how they're going to fix it because money's tight. They've just moved and all that. Um, and... Um, And um, Sharon's like, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for this. Um, Molly's like, hey, they make apps. You, you, I'm sure you can find something. Um, and she finds an app called um, GigPig, where you get paid for odd, odd jobs. Probably because Ubering in the Midwest is not really going to be something that's going to be feasible. Like, like yeah. in a small town in the Midwest, there's not really people going from 
you know, one side of town to the other a whole lot. Whereas here, um, I, I have personal experience with um, uh, my mom uh, Ubering to make extra money. And that's much more doable when you live in a city <laughs> or near yeah. a city or in a place with tourist attractions. And, and I know, Luke, you can speak to that somewhat too. You do um, gig economy stuff sometimes. Well, yeah, I used to be a Lyft driver, um, and then the pandemic happened, um, and uh, I basically kind of, well, first of all, it was like, oh, everyone's uh, staying at home, I'm going to stay at home. And then after right. a while, I saw how uh, at least 50% of the general public was acting towards, you know, being serious about keeping their hello fellow humans safe, and I was like, oh, so I should probably never Lyft drive again now. Yeah. <laughs> Because I can't trust anybody that I randomly pick up, so I then got a um, uh, a, a, a um, eventually got a proper day job job that uh, is that, that is me being a delivery person of cannabis related products, um, which means nobody else has to get in my car. So hooray! Yeah, um, delivery. <laughs> so um, yeah, obviously I'm still out here trying to get a a, a full time studio job. I've uh, sent in at least fifty applications over the course of the year 2021 to various studios and um you know it's just a matter of you know continuing to do that and uh um i actually <laughs> i don't want to go into detail on it but i i heard from a studio that asked me some questions and i was saying that they were considering giving me a story test and then uh, i found out that they decided to go with other people for the story test instead so it was kind of uh, like it was like for so six close. days yeah for six days i thought i was uh uh uh, possibly going to get a chance to audition and then it didn't happen. And, Aww. but, but it was from a studio who I had never get, been contacted by before. So it, it, I got that kind of no, like, Oh, cool. Now I know that somebody at that studio knows I exist. So at yeah. least I, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's all good. I'll just keep submitting stuff and seeing what happens, but you're in someone's mind. Yeah. Yeah. But, and also not exactly your typical gig economy. I also have done storyboard work, uh, you know, for individuals, uh, or for, um, just, uh, excuse me, like, you know, short term individual, you know, one shots here or there, there's a company called Detunes that does these, uh, cartoons with, uh, Conroy cat and a host of other characters. And, uh, one of the, their series is called, uh, what you got and, uh, chew is spelled C H U. And it's like, you hear um, one of the other characters, Doggy, go, hey, Conroy, what you got at the opening? And then he pulls out some object from pop culture that already exists, like, uh, um, like uh, I don't know, some weapon from a video game or something. And then they'll do a little one-minute cartoon of that character using that thing from pop culture. And it's kind of like epic rap battles of history. Like, they have people suggest over uh, in the comments, what other things do you want to see Conroy mess around with in the future? So I got to be a revisionist on one where the object was uh, one of those launch stars from Super Mario. <laughs> and another one where I got to be the, the, the full storyboarder where the weapon was uh, the fart gun from the Despicable Me movie. <laughs> <laughs> so for those, I didn't uh, write the script, but I did get to work in some visual gags here and there, which, which was fun. So doing little things like that, you know, is, you know, kind of a gig economy thing or doing individual pieces of... Uh, of artwork and stuff like that. So it's tough. It is really tough to try to make a living, you know, because people talk, you talk about people living paycheck to paycheck. It's like, yeah, but sometimes like with gig economy, it's like that specific, that specific paycheck to paycheck doesn't even 
necessarily exist unless you were out there, you know, hustling, as they say. Yeah. Because, you know, cracking the whip on yourself to get out there and keep working and finding these, like, minor jobs to do in order to continue to get the rent and bills paid can be really tough sometimes. So, so yeah, I mean, just having a, seeing on a, on a show like this, that's meant to be like a cartoon sitcom with a family and then seeing like, Oh, the dad has a full-time job. And now to get, to make ends meet, the mom is going to go out and, you know, be a gig economy person to, uh, you know, help keep things happening with the family. It's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's a, a modern take on something we've seen in cartoons before, but it's, it's, uh, I just think the way they're, they've done it is really good. And I hope they, that, that they, I hope that they continue with that. And they seem like they will because when grandma Nin came to visit, she kept being confused about the, about, about pork. gig pig being, you know, Oh, you're selling pork. It's like, no, it's, it doesn't, there's no do pork. pork. It's just an well, usually there's no pork. <laughs> Uh, By the way, thir- thoroughly random thing. I'm going to interject back in here. But, uh, on the most recent episode of The Simpsons, the character Bill Cipher appeared in the episode. Black <laughs> <laughs> crypto suckers! And actually, um, Daryl uh, mentions when the car breaks down, he's like, well, I have a plan, but it involves frequent trips to Sweden, a taste for danger, and access to cryptocurrency. <laughs> and then the dad's like, yeah, we're not doing that again. <laughs> Which implies they've done that before. <laughs> See what, I, but what I love about that cameo was it was like not to explain the whole Simpsons episode, but the Simpsons family is collectively kind of having a hallucination that involves uh, not not the Tom Hiddleston Marvel version, but just in general the notion of Loki, the you know the mischief god, and it's like oh I have come in many forms, and they pan over to a table and there's a bunch of other weird looking creatures sitting there for the most part and then one of them is bill cypher Cypher. and that's what bill cypher says bye crypto suckers wait does this mean that gravity falls in the mcu holy shit (laughs) but but the the the, i just i just love the, the fact that part of the reason that that joke is so funny to me is because it's obviously you know because it actually is uh uh you know um i forgot the person's name who voices bill cypher uh alex hirsch yeah, ex- yeah, that's <laughs> spaced out on Alex Hirsch's name there for a second, the creator of the friggin' show. So <laughs> it was like, it's actually his voice, and it's actually Bill Cipher designed to look like Bill Cipher. It's not like a one off parody or whatever. And all the Gravity Falls fans are going to love that joke. And all of the people who have no idea what Gravity Falls is, it's just a weird triangle shaped guy, you, you know, that, that, you know, kind of resembles what you see on your money yelling at the Simpsons to buy crypto. So it's still a joke that works. It's still a great joke. It still works. <laughs> I love it. And, and you referenced the Rick and Morty appearance on the Simpsons. It's, I would love to see if there has to be on the Simpsons wiki, a list of all of the other cartoon shows that have cameoed or crossed over into the Simpsons. Wasn't there some sort of star versus Simpsons parody or am I like, they did like a couch gag. That was I like, I don't a remember that, but star versus I, Maybe I'm remembering that wrong, but anyway. So I'm sorry. We let you get back to the to to our flow of of the of the episodes we were talking about. Yeah. Um. um so of course they're trying to figure out what um uh, what the mom can do before um they land on the gig pig app, and Scratch is like, oh hey, there's a there's a job opening at a diner. Problem solved. Scratch is the hero as always. Go cook, and everyone um like Molly and Daryl and the dad turning like just sort of look horrified and and the 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 mom goes demonic for a second it's like i spent 
You know, I, I did a lifetime worth of, worth of kitchen work in my parents' restaurant. Never say go cook again. <laughs> and Scratch was, of course, terrified of this. And Molly's like, yeah, this morning I saw her glaring at the stove. <laughs> she ripped up the Burger King ad campaign that said women belong in the kitchen. <laughs> Oof, yeah, um, yeah. Um, and um, so, of course, the original plan before the car broke down was uh, it was cleaning day and they were going to clean the basement. Um, and the as we mentioned, um, the dad and Daryl go to do that while... Um, Molly and um, mom and Scratch go uh, and go on this gig economy adventure together, um, because the first job that um, that that um, Sharon gets is um, handing out free food. It's these protein bars, and Scratch is like, "Okay, fine, I'll come," <laughs> but they're absolutely disgusting. And then they get a bunch of other random jobs. Um, Several of which involve um, some degree of taking care of animals and dealing with their poop, uh, which is what Molly mentioned towards the end is, you know, you had to deal with multiple different kinds of poop today, but you did it. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, um, there's there, there's the whole, um, as was also mentioned, there was the whole thing with the centipedes and how all these centipedes had to come, some, come from somewhere. So there must be a centipede world behind this random door that we found. And yeah, they're absolutely sharing the one brain cell as they're trying to take this door down, which of course ends up ultimately um, killing their hot water heater and they have to, they're going to have to get a new one. And they're kind of back to square one with that. Um, also during the song, uh, I love the whole fourth wall bit about how the song mentions She's working hard, she's on a road, up to her elbows in toxic mold. Wait, what? see a doctor you'll be fine the interacting with the song is really clever i love that it, it, what that kind of reminds me of also is disembodied reggae space voice we left the marshmallows at home i blame budgie hey what do you mean you blame budgie well it, it was clearly your responsibility where are you getting your information from disembodied reggae space voice hey i have a name you know oh yeah well, it, it's disembodied reggae space voice, but that's just a coincidence. You didn't know that. Oh, look who is sensitive. Uh, Continuing the path trailblazed by Phineas and Ferb. Yes. Uh, God, the music in this show is so good. And the, the episode ends with uh, with the, the next gig that, uh, that Sharon gets saying, help me, and it's just Scratch being like... Um, being chased by all these different animals and like stomped on because apparently the animals can see him and can affect him that was definitely interesting yeah i thought that was kind of fun um the next episode this one was one of my favorites i i agree with you that the the ending wasn't very strong but i like the content of the episode mainly because i'm just a huge horror movie fan um and that of course is hooray for mollywood in which um um, bored by a very derivative scary movie, uh, Molly um, resolves to make her own horror movie uh, with Scratch starring as the ghost, um, Libby writing and starring, and um, her directing and Daryl um, filming. And um, 
Scott is reading the script and is like, wow, Lydia's script is super accurate, is like spooky accurate. Um, and we get a, a fun song that's kind of a tribute to, you know, like, like classic, classic Hollywood where it's, you know, they're a non-union crew. They don't know what they're doing. They've been filming this whole time in selfie mode. <laughs> so, the, you know, they're trying to film on a softball field while they're actually playing softball. I can definitely relate to that as somebody shooting a lot of things on cell phone, even for uh, for professional gigs. They're just like, we don't have a camera for you, so uh, can you use your smartphone? <laughs> well, just... you know what? Those those phone those phone cameras have gotten so good that if you know what you're doing, honestly, it's hard to even tell anymore. Like, especially my sister just got the new iPhone, and holy crap, that camera is amazing. Oh yeah, and then if you have to get like an app that like Filmic Pro, where that app like unlocks, you know, the camera, so you so you can control white balance and all sorts of other stuff. It's like, it's really good. But yeah, definitely, um, as as a bunch of kids just trying to make a movie, I can understand. Which really is honestly, I I, I just love that kind of vibe. Even if it, you know, obviously it's not going to end up being perfect, but um, the you know it was the, it was their movie. Uh, but that all changes when um, they run into Andrea, of course, uh, and she's like, oh, well, I love horror movies. I want to help with this. But of course, she ends up completely taking it over. Uh, she's like, we can film at the warehouse where we film all the commercials for, um, for Davenport's, which is, the, which is her family's store. Was uh, I the one who thought that jingle sounded suspiciously like available only at Divorce, the tri-state area flip-flop store? It's like, mm, that sounds very similar. Mm. And of course, Molly loves that she has a director's chair, um, but everyone else is kind of having a hard time adjusting. Um, Daryl gets kicked off of, of camera duty. Um, and then um, the, um, Andrea ends up throwing out the script completely. Is like, okay, we're going with a ghost romance instead. And by the way, actually, Molly, you're not directing this anymore because um i'd like you to meet my family friend um greta gerwig <laughs> and they actually have a cameo cameo from greta gerwig in this which is probably one of the more random cameos you could get but it's a cool one because it's like yeah it's actually her ladies and gentlemen perry grip that was that was a real random one i know this is <laughs> off topic but like yeah perry grip and and <laughs> they all sounded like they were on helium doing that song what was up with that but yeah uh, but anyways, and finally having enough Molly is like, okay, fine. Um, let let let's show her what a real um what a real scary movie looks like. And Scratch is like, finally, it's the role I was born to play. Um, uh, and of course he the he he sends the whole pro, the whole production into chaos. Um, causing um ultimately causing the bucket of blood to get dumped on uh andrea which is of course a carry homage which is great and um as they're walking back home they're like well it's too bad we didn't get to actually shoot our movie and daryl's like well i've got this and he has um what he shot of um of scratch doing his thing on um uh, on the phone and so they end up still having a very short movie to show the haunting of the haunting of brighton and then as they're watching the movie, um, Louie's like, wow, your cousin was really great. Because uh, they, they say that, uh, that Scratch is their cousin from Canada that's visiting. And Louie's like, wow, your cousin from Canada was really great. You can't even see the wires. 
wait, there are no wires. How did you? It's like, oh, look, there's your name in the credits. And there's the setup for the future of trying to keep Scratch a secret from Libby, which yeah. is used in the, in the song sequence. Right. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that plays out. I, I, I feel like she's going to find out. I feel like Libby's going to end up finding out. Because she's kind of, um, it's, it, it, you know, it, it feels, it, in the Helen Harriet episode, I, I feel like it's it, it feels too convenient that she's like, oh, I wish it was real, but I guess it wasn't. It's like, you know, I, I feel like maybe she's starting to already put the pieces together. Actually, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it might be interesting if it ended up being that she kind of figured it out on her own. In, in that episode that hasn't come out yet, but we already know a little bit of the song from it because they had that um, song reel, but who knows? Oh, also there is a specific reference to the hitchhiker's ghost. I'm like, that that's obviously a direct Haunted Mansion reference. And one thing that I that um, I saw in like the promos for, um, for Monstover that they're doing, is that there's one of those chibi shorts where Molly is in the haunted mansion? Yeah, that's, that's gonna confronting be the bride in the attic. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Editor Chandler here. Yeah, that short and two others are available on YouTube, and they're really fun. So go watch them. Disney's Disney's really trying to capitalize on the haunted mansion. They, yeah, always they haven't made a, a series yet. That's what they need to do. It's like they they got pitched a great haunted mansion series by uh, Joshua Pratt and Scott Peterson, but yeah. They were, and, they also, and also there was going to be one that um, Shannon Tyndall, who directed Kubo and the Two Strings, was working on, but that didn't happen either. Um, I'm personally waiting up to whatever time of the night it happens tonight when they uh, finally post um, a Muppet Haunted Mansion. Yes! Uh, yes. I'm, I'm going to be on a podcast discussing that very soon. So I am freaking the hell out about how excited I am for that because, uh, and I won't go into it, big tangent here if you want to hear me go on a big tangent go to the most recent episode of kyle and luke talk about tunes uh the podcast i do about animation with kyle carosa of mighty magiswords fame um that's kyle and luke dot and uh but yeah just in that I, I watched the 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 trailer once the the full trailer and then i'm like okay i'm not watching it i don't want to hear any more about it again i just want to wait and see the episode because there were so many uh, muppets that we haven't seen in years in that episode, like as you know, the random other ghosts in the in the thing, and it's it, it was just it made me so happy to see a bunch of characters I love seemingly having come back. So I hope that besides the fact that I think the whole general concept of them doing this is brilliant and exactly the kind of thing they should be doing with the Muppets, um, I also just love the fact that oh wait, a whole bunch of awesome characters that we haven't seen in such a long time are you know are coming back and being used hopefully that means they'll get to be used again and more forthcoming muppet things unfortunately they can't really do muppets pirates of the caribbean because they kind of sort of already did a whole movie like that yeah <laughs> muppets jungle cruise actually uh if you use space mountain it could be you know pigs from space mountain, pigs from space mountain <laughs> i think right? it's yeah. i think it's really gonna bite disney in the butt not building original attractions not based off ips for so long because they they just they like they really love their original attractions and the respect people have for them but they're not choosing to create 
any new original attractions to yeah to do these things. the closest things we've gotten recently are the new mission space and awesome planet which like those barely count i think if they ever get in florida if they ever decide to you know do away with it being the twilight zone tower of terror and like retheme it they should make it uh uh the muppets happiness hotel <laughs> and it's like you know crazy harry is like making a, like explosion like then you fly up and like muppet craziness is happening i love that love that idea um so of course um we're on the last episode the last all well, the last you know two episodes the last 22 minute um so we've got Not So Honest Abe, in which uh, Molly goes so over the top for everyone else's projects that she completely forgets about her own project. And I absolutely love that that's how the episode starts, because it would be like the normal thing of like, oh, there's a thing due tomorrow and I haven't gotten anything done for it. It's like, you know, that that would be completely out of character for Molly. That, like they would have to be such an ironclad excuse as to why she wouldn't be ready and the excuse of she was helping everybody else be ready makes absolutely so in character it's perfect she's just she 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 wants to help everyone succeed at, at, at her own expense even and i love i love the gag where um because because of course at the beginning it's um scratch is at the um at the club and everyone else goes in and he isn't let in um and one of the people that he sees go in is abe lincoln yeah um uh, and then he um comes back and molly's working on all this and um he's like wow you went so you know you went so over the top for everyone else's project i can't wait to see what you did for yours and she's like oh yeah totally <laughs> she goes upstairs and then scratch just Scoots to the side, presses a button, acts like he's getting in an elevator, goes upstairs <laughs> with the elevator music playing. He's like, you haven't done anything yet, have you? <laughs> That's definitely one of those board-driven show moments. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I love that so much. It's great. Um, and Scratch mentions offhand that, um, well, so, so Molly does a whole bunch of research on Abe Lincoln because she's like he's the most popular president so there's tons of information and she's like there's too much information that was solid I, I definitely felt that going through high school and college with the internet God, I feel that so hard just like trying to do research for something there's just such a wealth of information it's like where do I even start that's why it's like you know you got to kind of find okay what is important what's relevant how do I hold this in how do I hone this in and it being useful and, and relevant and interesting? Um, and Scratch casually mentions um, after she's like, "Well, I, I you know, he's the be he's the best president. I don't want I I wouldn't want to disappoint him." And Scratch is like, "Well, I saw him earlier today, and I don't think he'd care." And she's like, "I've been researching for nine hours, and you've known Lincoln the whole time." And Scratch proceeds to lie about how, yeah, he totally actually knows Lincoln when in reality it's like he he's. It, in reality, it's the equivalent of yeah. I, I met him. I, I saw him at a bar once. It's like how it's like how if I said that I knew um, Bob Gurr, that would be a lie because <laughs> I saw him like the other day. But that doesn't mean that I actually know him. I, I saw him filming some stuff the other day, but I don't actually like physically know him. I've never actually like met him in person. 
like 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 actually been introduced to him or anything. He doesn't know I exist. Um, so it's kind of like that. Um, and he goes to the the coffee shop with Jeff in the ghost world, and it's like, even as the words were coming out of my mouth, I was like, "Why are you lying about this, dummy? This is not going to work out for you." Uh, and he ends up um, deciding to have Jeff pretend to be a Lincoln and show up for like five seconds. But of course, that doesn't end up working out for him because Je- um, Jeff is Jeff. Um, and Molly begs him to stay. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll stay. He's like, and, and Scratch is like, what are you doing? And Jeff's like, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good at getting into character. Um, so, of course, you fast forward to the next day and, or I guess later that day, because it's like, in the morning at this point and um molly's about to completely bomb her presentation because she's she's spouting a whole bunch of nonsense um because again it's jeff jeff it's jeff g-e-o-f-f g-e-o-f-f and scratch is like yeah this is bad i gotta fix this and um there's the whole, um, there's this whole sequence where he's trying to um, find um, Lincoln at the the club that, of course, he's um, also trying to avoid being thrown out of, which is not very, um, he, he's not very good at avoiding the, the bouncer or tricking the bouncer at all. But there's the joke about um, how he's delivering a pizza. Uh, it's like, oh, it's a personal pizza, so it needs to be delivered personally. And the bouncer's like, uh, yeah, nice try. They just throws the pizza at him. And he's like, this is a Chicago-style pizza. It's not even pizza. And he eventually does find Abe Lincoln and doesn't end up getting kicked out of the, the club because um, he's actually able to have a, a conversation with him about how he he messed up and he needs um, he needs Lincoln's help. And Lincoln, of course, in this is played by none other than Kelsey Grammer. Speaking of The Simpsons, the, the section of the club, I wrote down the Hall of Presidents in there because it kind of is like, you know, that's where all the presidents hang out. Um, and I like, I like, uh, I like the moment where um, after Lincoln kind of chides Scratch for lying, he's like, well, truth is your truest friend, but it sounds like this Molly, this Molly character is a close second. And Scratch is like, yeah, she is. I'm like, aww. Ed, that is interesting that, you know, we're getting to their friendship so soon because you know scratch's character arc is obviously going to be one of the biggest growths of the show but if i had to take a guess based off the pacing that'll probably be finished by the end of season one so then it's kind of like all right well what is what is the character arc for season two season three you know down the line just in general well they keep cutting or at least at one point they cut back to that little uh ticker thing of like keeping track of the happiness level in Brighton and it was, and it started moving more towards happy. And then, you know, that big scary looking, you know, thing was like, Rrr. so basically I'm assuming that the more he becomes good friends with, uh, with Molly, like the happier Brighton is going to end up being. And then he's going to end up like the stakes is that he's going to end up thrown in the, you know, the bog of eternal stench or whatever that thing was called. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the flow of failed phantoms. Mm-hmm um and so scratch of course brings lincoln back and is like oh my gosh jeff you were impersonating lincoln this whole time and and lincoln shuts down him trying to salvage this he's like okay yeah i lied to you um and molly's like you nearly ruined my grade because you care about me that is the nicest thing you've ever done for me 
uh, and then of course, um, she comes back out to um, try to salvage her presentation because she was in the bathroom this whole time. Um, oh, by the way, her history teacher is played by Jane Lynch. Oh, cool. Um, and she's like, she's like, yes, you know, I, I was known for my wicked sense of humor and ability to, to, to weave a good yarn. And her teacher's like, huh, okay, maybe she's not messing this up, actually. Um, and then, of course, we have um, the song, which is fantastic. I did get nervous there for a second because as somebody, it, it's, it's like, I, you know, I, I grew up with hip-hop. It's my favorite uh, genre, but I also absolutely love comedy, and I love cartoons, and I love comedy music and everything. So it's like, when it comes to the notion of, oh, we're suddenly putting a rap song in this thing, sometimes it can turn out really well, and sometimes it can be, like, the most cringy, like, train wreck ever. ever. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, when it first started, I'm like, it's like, oh, no, they're going to do a rap song, aren't they? And then it started, and I'm like, okay, let's see where this goes. And, it, it you know, it was all right. It did. It, it didn't it, it i don't think it's going to be i don't think it's going to go viral but but i think it, it was like it's okay good. Good. It's, it's you know obviously like you said before it's rob Cantor is involved you know it's like okay cool it's it's not like <laughs> the, so it's not like the, the it's not like the, the horrible um it's not like the horrible rap battle in the the iCarly victorious crossover well, where it's like, go, like oh going, my god, this is the whitest shit I've ever seen. What the hell is going on? Well, go, going back to going back to like my youth, uh, of of it's the 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 example that uh, me and Kyle like to use a lot is you know they're the old uh, Flintstones fruity pebbles commercials. It'd be like you know my name is Barney and I'm here to say I love fruity pebbles in a major way. It's like oh god no, so. <laughs> So yeah, anyway. Um, but yeah, it's like once again, you know, great job, everybody. Yes. <laughs> oh wait. Oh, and <laughs> the, the final tag joke on that episode was hilarious where where it's like, oh, suddenly it's a science fair, and it's like, and she turns to <laughs> scratch and goes, Do you know Einstein? He goes, Yes, because I've learned nothing. <laughs> and Lincoln just like face palm. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> and last but not least we have the best of nintentions um where molly's like hey mom you know how um you know grandma nins wanted to come visit for some time now and we have this this montage of all the times that um that um that sharon has been like uh no you can't visit where you know there, there's so there's always some some excuse and the, the 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 rule of three joke for that is um, um she tosses her phone into the into into a barbecue and closes the lid she's like but I haven't asked yet phone explodes <laughs> yeah that was that was good I I think I think that's while funny I think that was potentially one of the the areas where the show puts comedy over continuity because you would not be wasting your cell phone highly expensive item in in such a lackadaisical way if oh yeah no money struggles no it would um, not you you make a good point with that um 
But they, but um, basically, she's like, "Well, I finally invited um, Nin over." By the way, the episode is called "The Best of Nin Tensions." Emphasis on tension. Um, and already, um, Scratch is obsessed with Grandma Nin's snacks, which of course is, um, uh, kind of a runner for the whole episode. <laughs> He's like, "She's my, she's my favorite member of the family." Sorry, Molly, but it's time you knew. <laughs> Um <laughs> uh, and meanwhile, um meanwhile, um Sharon and Pete are like, oh god, this again. Um, because the the relationship between Grandma Nin and Sharon is noticeably very, very strained. Um also, and of course I have to reference some similarities to um Amphibia here because Amphibia season three, episode one. Also um, featured quite a bit of that um, that Thai influence because that episode revolved around um, well Anne and the planters quarantining at home for the first part, but then um, for the second part, she convinces her parents to take them to the supermarket, like an Asian supermarket, um, and they get noodles. And there's also durian, which is of course referenced in this episode as being yes, absolutely disgusting durian. in both shows. Um, and also the the stack that Grandma Nin gives um, gives Molly and um, and Daryl is the same snack that Anne is eating on her birthday that we see um, with, like the rice and coconut milk um, snack. It is it is pretty crazy that we got two lead. Uh, female Thai protagonists in such a short period of time. Yeah, that's why I'm like, okay, we need a we need a crossover where even if it's just one of the Tiny Tales things where they actually get to to meet and hang out and share some noodles or something because that's yeah. really fun. I like that. Um, and every, anytime someone mentions the tensions, there's like lightning and Scratch is like, okay, I'm I'm a paranormal entity, but that is weird. And. See, that's that's interesting because he's you know he's saying he's paranormal, which oh, means he's supernatural, you know, he's supernatural, it, not paranormal. I I heard that, or yeah, even even supernatural. supernatural. That is odd. Like from his perspective, he would not be supernatural. He would be natural. So I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Um, also, there's noodles, which again, both amphibia and um, and ghost of Molly McGee doing all of that um and there's the whole bit where um daryl and the and and um and pete <laughs> pete's like okay what do i got gotta do to get you to eat this durian 10 10 bucks do my chores for two weeks and um tell mom the, the grades don't really matter <laughs> um and molly of course is you know seeing all this and she's like okay we gotta we gotta do something about this and she overhears that uh, her parents had actually eloped, and she's like, "Oh, maybe that's why the th that's why the relationship is so strained. Uh, we got to put on a wedding." Um, that turns out to not be the reason why, and um, they they're putting on this this um, this surprise wedding, and uh, Nin says something that like that like really um, pisses uh, Sharon off. You're you know, like Santa Straight, you're only you're only half blessed, and she's like, "This is why we eloped," <laughs> and the the whole um the whole 
tent setup that Molly had set up ends up falling apart. And Nim's finally like, that's it. I'm leaving. I can't do this. And then Molly, Molly's had enough. And she's like, okay, no, we're working this out. We're putting, we're putting you two together and keeping you here until you work this out. Um, and it's revealed that Grandma Nin wasn't mad that they eloped or that Sharon dropped out of law school to study art. Like Sharon thinks that that's why she's mad. Um, but actually it's because um, Sharon gave up on her art. Much like Spencer and iCarly, which I keep mentioning iCarly for some reason. Um, much like Spencer in the later seasons of iCarly, where not only does he not study law anymore, not only does he not practice law, but he gave up on the art that he, he was supposed to be doing instead. Yeah. Uh, she's like, your art is really great. You should continue it. And, and, and you know, you, you don't have to do the, 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 the pork thing anymore. And she's like, oh, mom, there is no pork. But it's nice because we get a sweet res resolution between the two of them, which is which is nice to see. Old people don't understand. Things. Old people don't understand any of that. It's just, it's it's a trope of of just television in general. I mean, it's also just kind of true. I mean, <laughs> my grandparents have discovered how to work at at least like FaceTime, but you know, you tell them to actually do something on the computer. It's like, okay, how do I do this? Like, yeah. I can show you. It's it's harder to explain it over the phone. Um, but anyways, uh, so that is the last of this batch of episodes that we have to talk about. So overall, I wanted to I wanted to mention uh, to kind of springboard into another little thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, the very end of that episode, as uh, Nin is driving off, you hear um, Scratch yelling at the car. It's like you know, because he he kept talking about trying to. It's like, you know, please send snacks. So as the car's driving away, he's like, you know, if you go to the post office, they got a bulk, they got a flat rate for shipping things. And then he's like <laughs> saying this thing and it's hilarious. And uh, so basically I just want to talk about Dana Snyder and what a comedic powerhouse he is and how, you know, it's, it's like, you know, he's, he, I just wanted to mention at least some of the other voice work he's done. But to me, it kind of feels like, this is out of all the roles that I've I've caught him doing voices for, like you have to go all the way back to his first one, Master Shake, to find a role that he is like so perfectly suited for for voice acting. So uh, he he started off uh, on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Like yeah, the first batch was basically all stuff for Adult Swim, so they were all more adult oriented shows. Um, so yeah, we got uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force that was uh, you know in production for like 15 years plus the movie they made. There's Squidbillies, yeah, Squidbillies, which started in 2005 and is technically still going. Uh, I don't know how often they make new episodes or new seasons, but it's technically not ended yet. Um, <laughs> there was a one season episode called Minora Team he was on, and then he was the Alchemist in um, in uh, the Venture Brothers uh, for for the whole run of that series. Um, then he finally started getting into uh, uh, more being, you know, in more in more stuff that, you know, is aimed at kids and everything. So just to name a few of those, you brought up earlier uh, Grabala the Hut from the Lego Star Wars Freemaker Adventures. And I have to be honest, I didn't, I never, I've never, it's one of the few Star Wars things I've made the effort <laughs> to see. I haven't seen it yet. I tried to make an effort to see all the Star Wars things, but I just never got around to that stuff. So I had no, I never saw that character before until I saw this week's uh, Terrifying Tales special. And I'm like, oh, this is really cool. So I need to go back and check Terrifying out the Freebaker really Adventures. Fun. I enjoyed that a lot. 
Yeah, yeah. And, um, horror movie. Uh, that. It was fun. It was fun to see a shining reference in a Star Wars thing. Yeah, that was that was a great. That was, that was such a great joke. Um, and then uh, and then on Justice League Action for Cartoon Network, he was the voice of Plastic Man, which was another great uh, right on casting. He was um, uh, okay. Ko, let's be heroes. He was uh, the voice of Doctor Grayman, one of the uh, professors at uh, um, I forgot the name of the school. Uh, the 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 big school that um that um I'm, I'm i'm just spacing out anyway the let's skip ahead one more to uh thundercats roar he was the voice of vulture man and also the burbles so um so yeah just a handful of the things that he's done uh that i particularly liked and now just seeing him as scratch it's like it's it's such a perfect role for him and also i'm kind of assuming that they've let him like improv and riff stuff in the in the recording studio oh, and that, that so- stuff has probably ended up in the show um, because I, you know, having been on Magic Sword, it's like sometimes that happens. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> like there's a, there was a, a Jim Cummings improv a line in one of our episodes uh, where there's a, a thing in the town, uh, in the town uh, bazaar market that's a, that's, that he put up called, that this character Buford that he voiced put up called the Bolton Board of Opinions. And he's got, and he's like, everybody's got an opinion. And then he added this uh, little riff. Everyone's got an opinion. Of course, that's just my opinion. <laughs> so, so, so things like that, like the thing at the end, like if you go to the post office, there's flat rates and you can ship things. It's like that to me totally seems like something that Dana Snyder may have improvised. And I'm not taking anything away from the storyboarders and the writers, but it's just like knowing how hilarious Dana is and how, Brady is with lines that are off like that off the cuff. It's like I would love to know which of the lines he improvised because because <laughs> yeah. it's it's just it's funny and it's hilarious and I'm so happy to see him in this great show surrounded by other voice actors who are able to keep up with him. You know, comedically speaking, like there's none of the voices on that show have like stood out as being like, well, that person isn't. You know, that person is phoning it in or whatever. Like no one is doing that. And, um, great you got um because she plays uh molly um oh and the dad is scottish which mcgee that makes sense so scottish and thai ancestry um you got um pete's played by jordan klepper sharon's played by sumably Mon- uh, montano who also plays um grandma nin which just the ability to do two different characters that are on on different sides of an argument like that that's that's really that takes talent that's really well done um daryl's played by michaela dietz Dietz, how you pronounce that probably amethyst from uh steven universe okay oh michaela dietz michaela dietz there we go voices which character um daryl oh i didn't even pick up on that wow i should have picked up on that voices daryl we got like um where uh laura jill miller jules medcraft um great griffin is um the ghost council she's like <laughs> one of the ghost council one of the people yeah, the ghost council. Yeah. You got great griffin john dimaggio greg baldwin and carrie walgreen great griffin is in all the cartoons it's like you can't watch a cartoon without great griffin showing up <laughs> yeah um some of the guests on this season you're gonna have uh, natasha rothwell Yvette nicole brown danny trejo pamela adlon Darcy Carden, Thomas Lennon, Jessica Keeney-Wynn, and Sean Jim Jim Brown. 
I noticed that uh, the like the the town council when they were talking about building uh, the the um, the clamshell performance dome thing uh, was voiced by uh, the leader of that you know town council was voiced by Patton Oswald and they right, actually they actually they actually did that character design to somewhat to me like slightly resemble Patton in a way. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's definitely Patton Oswald, and of course the head Greta Gerwig. Oh yeah, it's, I, I noticed when 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 the mayor was coming in and it was it was Patton and I was like, oh, he's he's doing his Toby voice from uh from Word Girl. Yeah, obscure obscure cartoon, but. Uh, so do we have any? I mean, we've been talking for a while. Do we have anything else to really say? It's it's a wonderful show. It's a lot of fun. It's got great animation, great voice work. Uh, yeah, it's it's really solid. Very solid show. Definitely go check it out if you haven't. I'm sorry we've spoiled everything for you. You probably don't want to watch it anymore. Well, if, you're wa- if you're listening to this, it's probably because you've already watched it and you want to hear someone else talk about it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, seeing a show like this is just kind of like going, well, this is my new favorite show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, have, I have a lot of shows that I'm very excited about, and to see this is like, I mean, for me, when it comes to cartoons and, of course, being a, a person who's, very much wanting to find another uh, full-time storyboarding position at one of these studios. <laughs> um, it's it's like seeing a show like this is like, yeah, this is exactly the kind of show I would like to be storyboarding on. This seems like, a, you know, so much fun, such great characters, such great. It's and this is kind of a weird thing because obviously this this is being being made for you know the Disney cable channels and Disney Plus. So obviously they're keeping it at a certain, you know, whatever the TV, you know, TVY rating, whatever the thing is, um, you know, for kids to watch it. And that's great. But there's a way you can make cartoons where, yes, it's okay for kids to watch, but it's not so like namby-pamby, watered down, super safe for kids that as an adult or, or, or a teenager even, like it's boring and not entertaining to watch because all of the you know, edge has been kind of, you know, sucked out of it because you have to follow all of the BSNP rules. So it's like, it's so great to see a show like this where it's like, you know, this does not feel like a watered down kid show. This just feels like a really funny, entertaining show. You know, and it's an animated sitcom and it's great. And I, I love seeing shows like this. That That's the kind of show I, I want to make, honestly. I'm, I mean, I come, I come up with my own show ideas, show ideas that I want to pitch. And like, Maybe I want to make them slightly more uh, adult, for a lack of a better term, just because I'd like to do stuff with, you know, adults in adult in adults relationships, and you know, re- being able to reference things that they do that you can't do on a show like this. But aside from that slight aspect, like everything else is like, yes, the comedy is there, the characters are there, the 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 you know, the voice talent is there, the you know, the 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 timing of the jokes and the you know, the storyboarding. It's like it just it this show has it all coming together in such a great perfectly presented package i mean visually it's beautiful the backgrounds the the way the characters are designed the way the ghosts look the way they're like they can glow and then they're see-through and then it's just there's so much good about this show so it's like yeah anyway i'll shut up now because i'm kind of rambling <laughs> no i think i think you summed it up perfectly it's it's it, it's a good show it's a very good show and i can't wait to see where it goes yeah so does anyone have anything they want to plug uh, you can find me on YouTube at the Second Dimension, uh, or on Twitter at uh, Second Dimension YT. 
Uh, I could, uh, I probably already plugged these, but uh, me and Kyle Carosa have a animation podcast called Kyle and Luke Talk About Tunes. It's at kyleandluke.libsyn.com. Uh, also, you can check out the cartoon we both worked on, Mighty Magiswords, which is on both HBO Max and Hulu. Um, and uh, if you're interested in comedy music, uh, you can check out my comedy music at lukeski.bandcamp.com. I also have a new song that is up at thefump.com exclusively for right now, which is T-H-E-F-U-M-P.com. It is a parody, parody of Lizzo's Boys, and it's called Toys. So just in time for Christmas. Um, yeah, so that's all the things I will plug. You can follow me on Twitter at Starport97 and at the YouTube channel Starport97. If you like this and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe. I'm on all the usual places, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and I'm now available on iHeartRadio and Audible. Leave us a review, give us five stars, and share us with your friends. The first episode of my cross-country adventure vlog series is out. That's Chandler's cross-country adventure vlogs on Starport 97. And that chronicles my whole adventure I took across the Midwest, going from Missouri up to Indiana to Ohio, and then all the way back down to Florida, going through Kentucky and Tennessee and the Carolinas, um, going to a whole bunch of theme parks on the way. It was a lot of fun, and I'm still working on the rest of the series. It should be dropping. More of that should be coming out soon-ish. And be sure to join us next week for another spooktacular Halloween episode. The scariest story ever, a Mickey Mouse Halloween spooktacular. Right here on the podcast without a cool acronym. Abraham Lincoln was a man. Abraham Lincoln was a man. Everybody give this guy a hand. Abraham Lincoln... Lincoln was the man.